There we go. The magic of technology, eh? The, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> the magic of technology has brought us together. How are you? I'm very well indeed. Yourself? I'm good. I'm good. I'm, I'm very excited to talk to you. We've had a, a <laughs> quite... Yeah, we have... I can't say I've heard that before, but go on. <laughs> <laughs> Too modest, too modest. We had a, we had a quite a few um, very fun back and forths on Twitter. Yeah, uh, learned a lot from you, which is why um, really? I really, I, <laughs> yes, <laughs> which is why I really wanted to have this conversation. Um, so yeah, if you don't mind, uh, maybe um, introduce yourself quickly to the the people who are going to be listening to this. Yeah, uh, yeah. My my name's Alan Charlesworth. Um, I think that I think it's. Um, it's important that for people know my background a bit because I think I'm very different to a lot of the, the other people that you follow on Twitter and indeed a lot of the other people which are sort of in that that sphere. Yeah. In that um, I've, al I've always worked at the sharp end of things, that like on the shop floor, if you like. Literally, I spent quite a lot of time in retail and retail management. So I was literally on the shop floor. Yeah. But, but I, I left school when I was 15, no qualifications. Did lots of different jobs, which when I look back in time, a lot of them were customer facing, as we call it now. That, that phrase didn't exist back then. Um, for example, I worked on, I, I, I grew up on a, a seaside resort town, if you like. I worked on the fun fair for quite a while. I worked calling numbers on a bingo at a holiday camp. Again, you know, it was that then it was just money in the pocket. But when I look back, it's, it's those things that, that sort of made me what I am, whatever it is, 50 odd years later. Um, worked in the civil service for a while, which gave me a good look at, at um, administration and the like. But again, in a, <laughs> I hate the phrase, but customer facing. I, I wasn't hidden in the back office. I was talking to the, the people that were coming into the office. I then moved into retail, in retail management, uh, and, and moved you know, fairly high up. Um, and that was the organization which I think set most of my thinking about sales and marketing, learning, learning from the shop floor. Then if I move forward a bit, a couple of my own businesses, um, I then was at a point in my life where it was, uh, I was sort of uh, mid thirties and it was like, so Alan, where are you going now? What, what do you want to do? My wife at the time who had, had a very good job said, well, didn't you want to be a teacher when you left school? And that's what I wanted to do. When I was at school, I wanted to teach English and we, we called it PE, physical education. That's what I wanted to do because my life revolved and still does to a certain degree on football. Uh, I was half decent at football. So that's what I wanted to do. But um, family circumstances meant, no, you, you can't even stay on to sixth form, let alone go to university. So that, that went out the window. So anyway, in the mid thirties, my, my wife said, well, you know, you're running a little business, uh, which is bringing some income. Um, I've got a decent job. Why don't you see about being a teacher? So longer story short, I went to university when I was 35. So I was what they call in the UK a mature student. I, um, OK, to very, well, quickly yeah. to very quickly tie into that, I actually think um, that is one of the things that's, um, that's a bit of a shame um, in our Western culture. Uh, which is this notion that um, you go to high school, elementary high school, and then straight into yeah. um, um, 
college or university here yeah. in, uh, in, in the Netherlands, you have, you have with something which is more applied college. And then usually yeah. you, you roll into like middle management or whatever. And then you have university, which a lot of people also use that to go into the, uh, to industry, but it's, it's more designed to go into academia, yeah. but, um, it's, it, it, it's the default, the status quo, which we know from behavioral economics, the power that the status quo has default bias and stuff. Um, is that you do that you go to um, uh, after high school immediately you go to a university or a college or whatever yeah um, and I actually think it's it, 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 it would be good if a, a, a bigger portion of the of society um, mm -hmm. went into you know real life into the workforce essentially yeah. so that uh, when they do enroll into college or university they have a much better understanding of what they are hoping to get out of it I've heard the same sentiment uh, echoed by uh, my friends for, for example, Professor Bruce Clark, where he, where he has noticed the same thing, you know, the, the so-called mature students, they are there with a purpose versus, yeah. you know, the, the younger students, it's more peer pressure, societal pressure, yeah. it's what mom yeah. and dad wants. And then you run into this this weird situation where you're teaching people who don't really want to want to get taught, who, who are there for for a degree. Uh, and it's yeah. not like you know, uh, uh, Seth Godin, who uh, sometimes I, I disagree with him, but he has this this frame, this this heuristic of uh, is it going to be on the test, which I think is an excellent way of phrasing it. Yes. This this attitude okay. of, of uh, if it's not going to be on the test, I don't want to know it. Versus yeah. a, mature, a mature student, they, they are there for the knowledge in and of itself. The knowledge is yeah. the goal. But very, very much so. I mean, I, I retired. I, I did end up teaching in a university for uh, yeah, 25 years and, and I've now retired. Uh, and again, in what field? Marketing? Uh, I, taught, I taught marketing and latterly digital marketing, which is yeah. um, uh, uh, um, in the UK. The funding for universities, uh, but basically, it, you didn't make money teaching part time students. So yeah. a lot of universities sort of cancelled part-time programs and yeah. I used to love teaching the part-timers because they all worked so it would be evening classes they would come in and what I liked about it is they would question me so I would say something out of the textbook and they would go well hold on Alan that's not what we do at our place and what I could then do and go okay what do you do at your place where do you work oh you work in a whatever it is right okay so so is that the same for the rest of you? You work in retail. Is it? Oh, no, very different for us in retail. Then someone else will put their hand up and go, well, actually, that's exactly what we do. And you could get a discussion going. Actually, that was the way I taught. I just I used to talk to people and you get them all talking and they kind of teach themselves and taught me. And I would learn with youngsters. Basically, they sit there and go, well, tell us what we need to pass the exam. Yeah, not all exactly. of them. But probably 70, 80 percent didn't yeah. ask questions, didn't want to know any more on the on the wider issues of, of the subject, whatever it is you're talking. It was just, do I need to know that to pass the assignment? No. Yes. Well, don't, don't bother with me that then. I, I don't want to know the wider perspective. And, and I think mine from I think it's an age thing, but also my background. I'm not particularly inquisitive, but I think my generation was far more than the current generation you know well i can look it up on google well yeah but, and, and when i used to teach the, the youngsters i would say um back in the day when i got my first car which was a mini which always broke down because minis did the first time it didn't work i got someone to come and help me you didn't go on google you know you might have had a, a, a workshop manual or something and someone told you well it could be this or it's not that it could be that no it's not that it could be oh that's it Right, we fixed it.
But the next time it went wrong, you were already halfway to solving the problem because you tried to find out what you were doing the last time it broke down. That is that is and such build a, a kind of knowledge to it. You don't yeah. just think that's the answer. And so I, I, I'm like that with a lot of things where you just build this background knowledge. So when you've got a problem, you don't start with a blank sheet of paper. You start with a right. So if we know that, we know that. And I used to try and teach the students that and when it used to teach them. And I had big problems because I used my module was either voted the best module on the program or the worst module on the program. Basically, good students who wanted to learn thought it was brilliant because I pushed them. I made them think. I made them work. Find out. What I did is, is I taught them how to find the answer, not the answer. How to, then whatever question you ask them, they know how to find it. But the other group of students who just wanted the answer, they would mark me down. And of course, in, in modern university life, you live That's by problem. reviews. And, and I had too high a failure rate because basically the buggers that didn't do. Oh, I lost your audio. That's my fault. Oh, you're back. The other I lost students your, loved I lost it. Your audio. You okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your audio cut out for a, for a second, but you're back now. Yeah. But if we go back to, the, the, I mean, I, I, I assume I'm on here because it's a, the digital side of things. Uh, I did, I worked at university. I had a, a part-time job to keep me working, to keep some money while I went to university. Um, when I finished university, I wanted to, to go into lecturing. It's catch-22. You can't get the job unless you've got the experience. You can't get the experience. And so I was doing a lot of part-time work at colleges, different universities, you know, just to get your foot in the door. And at that time, this is 1995, a couple of the guys that I drank with, you know, friends with, um, owned a publishing company. They published textbooks, in fact, academic textbooks. And one day, one of them said, Alan, uh, we're starting up a new business. Would you be interested in doing some marketing for us? He, he knew that I didn't have a full-time job, and in the summer, you don't do any teaching. Would you be interested in doing some marketing? I don't know, I'll give it a go, worth a try. What is it? And he says, well, we're, we're starting an internet company. And, and quite literally, I had to go, and the internet is? So <laughs> I didn't even know it existed. And what they were doing, very much ahead of the game, they are now, they're now multimillionaires from the, the companies that they've formed and solved. But they're still into the, the whole digital arena. But what, when they explained what the internet was and they said, well, you can have these things called websites, what we're going to do is we're going to make websites, but we want someone to go around companies and sell them the website, you know, the and a domain name. We made more money out of domain names than we did out of the websites. So 1996, I'm on a very steep learning curve of what is it that I'm trying to sell here. Um, but at the same time, I was finding that you'd, you'd sort of uh, do the, the B2B cold calling. Hello, do you want a website? And the website is. Yeah. So I ended up in, in that 96, 97 time all, all around the northeast of England. Um, doing trade shows, um, sort of uh, commerce company clubs, business clubs, going around all of those, standing on a stage going, this is the internet. It's That's... coming. You know, I can still do the, it was formed by the military and to atomic <laughs> bomb dropped in the middle of America or cut down all the time. You know, and I went through that and, and this is, and you know, you've got 
in those days, vast groups of, of predominantly men have to say, because it would be engineering companies that the northeast of England was very much engineering, sat there going, oh, you're allowed to try it. This is, this is never going to happen. And I'm going, no, you, you, this isn't a fad. It's not going to go away. If nothing else, you're going to start using email. Email, what's that then? Well, it's where you type a message into your compu computer. What's that then? Oh, we've got a computer. And it was that whole thing of convincing people that, that it was going to happen. You've got some people who are a bit more far-sighted, but your run-of-the-mill business person didn't really want to know about it. It's complex. All right. I, I, I think this is um, a, a great segue into um, uh, some of the things that I, I uh, really want to discuss during, on, uh, during, our, yep. during our time together. Um, okay, so let's, let's go all the way back to the basics. Um, what is the definition of marketing? Ha! Did you know, uh, th this is why I wanted to sort of give you a bit of my background, because uh, I worked in retail in a, in a national company. It was the, we had more shops than anyone or any other in the field. We sold car accessories and car parts. Uh, and I can't ever remember us using the word marketing. This would be late 70s till the mid 80s. We spectacularly went bust. We were really good at sales, shite at accountancy, basically. But yeah. very, very much had very American in the way we went about things, that the guy that ran the place owned it. Very, and I can't ever remember us using the word marketing. We did some adverts, very little advertising. We did some newspaper advertising once a year, and we once did a TV ad. But that's the only, if you were with a four piece, that's the only promotion we did. So when I went to university and I was told, oh, you're going to study marketing. I'm like there for the first day. Oh, come on. Tell me, tell me all this marketing malarkey. And I realized that we did do marketing. We just didn't realize there was a discipline which you call marketing, you know, that you yeah. can look up in a book. So when yeah. I started doing it, it was the same with the management side, but we're concentrating on the marketing side. Um, I found that all this stuff in the textbooks, I knew what it was, but I didn't know, you know, I start the chapter. Oh, today we're doing this subject. Oh, well, actually, I know that. I just didn't know it had a title, that it, it's called something. And on the, I can remember day one of the first marketing class in level one undergraduate um, study, the marketing lecture, and, and to be honest, I've copied it for 20 odd years since, since it would go, right, what is marketing? in one word I, I used to make it easier or harder by saying six words or five, I used to roll the dice sometimes and go five. and he said in one word and I said selling yeah and I'll still give you that argument now I know yeah. there's a wider perspective but ultimately yeah. your marketing is to produce something at the end could be sales it could be registering it could be you know signing up for God or whatever it is but ultimately, marketing is there to sell. And I do get yeah. um, Professor Ritson's idea of, of this long and short and this, that and the other. But building a brand, it's no good having a brand if no bugger buys something from oh, you. So yes. ultimately, ultimately, exactly. it is selling. And, and I, 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 I often play devil's advocate. I used to love playing devil's advocates with students. And I could argue against it being selling. But I also, I do firmly believe that marketing is about selling. It's about, again, it might not be taking money off person. It might be getting them to vote for, for who I want them to vote for. It might be to get them to do whatever, but it's give money to a charity perhaps. 
but ultimately it's, it's got to have a result at the end of it otherwise why bother why bother but the other thing i think with marketing goes back to what i, I just said do i call you rj rj yeah rj, RJ is perfect oh, well the, what i do with rj is, is that um I, i'm a big four p's guy and i yeah. know there's been a lot on the web of this that and the other uh, but basically mm -hmm. this is what I, 1960 yeah th this is what i took i didn't know the four p's when i worked in retail yeah yeah and, and I was fairly high on the, the management level. You know, I was in the I was in the head office, if you like. I was not the kind of wasn't that didn't have a board, but I, I was up there. Um, and we were, we always said if we put the right product in the right place at the right price, we'll sell it. I I had no idea that was the four P's until I started university, and someone oh and today we're going to look at the four P's. Whoa, what are they then? Well, it's uh, hold on. <laughs> That's what our shop was. We needed to put the shops in the right place. Which is a really real bit. You know the whole uh, retail location, location, location. Yes, that's it. Yeah. Unless yeah. you're selling a niche product that someone will look for, that's it. So that was our place bit. Right product. Yes, we had to have the right products on the shelves to sell at the right time of the year. Motoring is very seasonal. You know, one part time of the year you sell uh, stuff for people to clean their cars and polish and wash things and work on the car, and in the winter you sell them something completely different. And obviously price was you got to have the price right helps they're going to go somewhere else or and this is another thing you offer a bigger service here's the thing we were called motorist discount center and everybody thought we were the cheapest what we hell is like we had a dozen products that were cheaper than our main competitor everything else we were far more expensive but we offered a service we employed Sadly, it was all lads. I, I worked in recruitment for a while. We desperately tried to get some women to come work in the shops, but no, it, it just wasn't the thing at the time. It was cars were men. Go by. So uh, it, we, we, we employed people who were um, enthusiastic, outgoing, uh, and people would visit the shop for sort of a laugh, pass the time, talk about cars. That was a, now those customers don't care that they're paying a bit more for the spark plugs. They're coming there for more than 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 the, the purchase. Other customers are very price conscious, but that to me that that becomes the bigger issue of, of what the yeah you know, the four P's kind of make it like these are separate things. Well, no, yeah. they all kind of meld together. But I really am I'm, I'm I, I really am a four P's. I was against all this sort of we're edged into five P's and six P's and then six yeah. P's of wedding and a funeral. I don't know that the, the, the yeah. add-ons were just part of product, you know, exactly. Yes. And it's but silly. So, so go with your first question. What is marketing selling? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I agree. And it's also um, a bit silly because the, the four P's it's, it's not, a, it's not a, a mathematical formula where you plug some stuff in and something pops out. It's just a, a useful, um, framework to guide your thinking yes. and yeah. to make sure that so so um, I had a very interesting uh, conversation with uh, Dr. Fu the other day. Uh, yeah. He's also going to be on uh, Talking Business in uh, two episodes, uh, yeah. two weeks from now. Um, and I, I, uh, I would, sorry, I was hoping I would be able to hear his first before I ah. did mine because there's some of these things I absolutely agree with him, 
Yes. <laughs> Some things I absolutely disagree with him. Exactly. I would have been interested to see where he was on some of these. Sorry, go on. You in, go on. N- yeah, no, in the future, um, uh, pretty soon, I'm going to um, gather a few people and I want to I want to start marketing roundtables. So I'm going to invite yeah. a, a panel of like three people, maybe like four total, four or five total. And we're going to have a discussion on a certain topic so people can hear a discussion from uh, multiple people, uh, especially yeah. people who are in favor of something and people who are against something. Um, but only like knowledgeable people instead of like, you know, arguing about definitions and whatnot. Um, but yeah, so one of the things we disagreed on a little bit, um, sli- slightly, is uh, he was, he, he, he makes the argument that the four Ps are, are, are no longer relevant or at least uh, less relevant in, in today's day and age. Whereas I made the argument and I, I, I get some of the points that he's making. Uh, essentially, he's like, you know, um, promotion isn't as important anymore because it's more about educating the consumer, etc. Uh, he makes the point that place is less important because if a consumer wants to find you, you know, they they uh, with Google and Amazon, etc., um, they can find you at, at, at a with a, like a snap of the finger. Um, and he makes a, a few of these arguments, and I, I yeah, I, I get where he's coming from. It's the devil's advocate, which you were also talking yeah. about. Um, however, um, it's it, it's. Again, it's not a, a mathematical formula where it's like, okay, uh, the quadratic formula that you use in order to solve a polynomial. It's like, okay, here are some, here's a, a framework that you can use to guide your thinking. So for example, I, um, I, always, I always stress the order of the four P's. So I, I don't list them randomly, uh, which is, this is not just a pet beef because it's a pet mm-hmm. beef uh, of mine because it, 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 it hints to the immaturity of a field. If you ask a doctor, you know, someone is having a, uh, this particular illness, what are the five symptoms, then 10 doctors will all list them in the same way because they have, yeah. uh, they have a standardized education. Yeah. So that's, that's like the pet peeve. But there's a, a solid argument, which is that uh, these, these, these four Ps matter um, in um, uh, different, they have a different level of importance. So for mm-hmm. example, I, I strongly believe in uh, the whole ideology of customer orient, uh, orientation, which is starting with customer first, which, which means you start product first. Yeah. You identify the needs. There's a sh- there's a, 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 the definition of marketing, which which I uh, tend to use and teach to my students is uh, uh, Tim Ambler's one, which is marketing is um, uh, everything the company does in order to secure consumer preference mm-hmm. uh, and increase profits for the shareholders. But there's a, a, a more succinct um, uh, heuristic, which uh, which I also think is is useful, which is like uh, which is marketing is um, uh, is about the buying and and selling and identification of one satisfying um consumer wants satisfying products mm-hmm. so it hints at this idea of um it's not just making something in isolation and then then using marketing which means yeah. distribution in this context in order yeah. to push it on people yeah. which i w- which i sometimes uh, explain with the analogy of you can't make um uh, people eat dog food because yeah. people don't want to eat dog food so it, it, it hints at this uh four piece starting with product figure out what people actually want and that's a key part of product, because uh, a key part of marketing, because it's essentially now we're getting into market orientation, um, uh, figuring out what consumers want, uh, quantitative research, qualitative research, etc. Versus people who usually start with promotion. So I, when I uh, think of the four uh, four P's, I always think of uh, product and price, the two twins, uh, product and price, and and um, uh, place and promotion. In general, uh, and and I think you and I might differ on a couple of these aspects. I have always okay. dealt with I've always dealt with small business. I've yeah. no, so that's not true. I've done some consultancy work on the digital side with with global companies, but my main main 
the work I've mainly done is with small companies, local companies, uh, and slight tangent, this is where I kind of disagree with a, a lot of the people that I see writing in, in various places, yes. is that um, it might be a small business in Sunderland, at, what is it, hairdresser, it's a hairdresser. Um, you start with product on that, because I, I will pretty much guarantee you that every hairdresser starts with a hairdresser who wants yeah. his or own shop. Yeah. So, so your product is defined by the person who opens the business. But here's the thing. They don't want a global empire of hairdressers. Yeah. Two or three would be nice in the local town, but their mindset is not to sort of expand and become massive, which is what a lot of marketing is about and branding and all of that. It's talking about going, no, this exactly. person wants to make a living. And the vast majority of small businesses, if you went to them and said, uh, what's your long-term strategy? Well, it's still be here next year. Exactly, nothing, yes. Nothing, and, all, and all they want is to Good have point. a comfortable living for them and their family. Yes. That's it. And that for them is success. And you'll see a lot of businesses, you see it, I'm sure you see it over there in the Netherlands, where um, we had one in Sunderland recently where uh, uh, it was a cafe. Basically, that's it, a town centre cafe, which was like an institution in Sunderland. And the guy eventually retired. And there's hundreds of thousands of people gathered around for the, for the last day of this thing. But that was it. He retired. He closed it down. He retired and had a comfortable retirement after having a comfortable living. For him, yeah. that was success. He didn't even want another one. It's somewhere yeah. else. That was it where he was going to. I've forgotten how I got onto this subject. We start Because we started with product. Most engineering works, the founder is an engineer. Yeah. You know, most welding works, the founder is a, a welder. So it does start with, with product. Um, but, th but then on a, they know there is a market because they probably worked as a welder for another company. Yeah. And he has seen how much business is out there. And perhaps he then thinks, do you know what? I could, I could do this better. I'll yeah. start my own business. So the product is almost a given. I, yes. I don't know. I, I'm sure by a lot the way, of people but, out there think, what, what could we build this week? Yes, but exactly. It's a start with a business. Yes, yes, precisely. Told I, you I, you I, won't I, get a word in edgeways with me. <laughs> this is good. I, that is exactly the point that I wanted to make because um, sometimes that I, uh, something that I stress and um, there might be um, actual correct nomenclature for this that I'm just not aware of. Uh, but 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 one needs to make a distinction between uh, product in terms of um, its quality and product in yeah. terms of the desire that a consumer has, because yes. something can be objectively of a lower quality uh, while still appealing to consumers more. So um, then we're talking about which which um, which of these products is, is superior product A or product B. Um, and if a person sees a the quality of a product as, as the key determinant, then they will say product A versus a, another person who says, no, no, it's about what people actually want to buy. Yeah. And then it's product B. So I think that's important because then uh, it changes how you uh, think of the P, uh, 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 the first P the, uh, of, the, of the 4P model product. And then you start to understand, okay, when, when uh, what, what you are talking about, with, which is you have an engineer and they understand the market, then yeah. they are talking about, we understand product um, in the sense that it's a, a want satisfying product. There's a consumer want, and this is gonna do yeah. a better job of, or using Professor Clay Christensen's model uh, at doing the job to be done. Yeah. The consumer is gonna hire this product uh, to do that uh, particular job. I'm gonna put in there, cause you keep using the term consumer. 
which okay. gives the indication you're talking B to C. And yeah, fair vast, enough. vast, vast majority of businesses sell to another business. Yeah. Effectively, unless you're a retailer, do, do you, you do you think sell to another business? Even even think, the likes of Procter and Gamble, their yeah. customers are, are retailers are, and wholesalers, yeah, not true. the end consumer. I know you've got. Do you think that market. changes the logic? Sorry? Do you think that change? Do you do you think that changes the logic of the the points oh, I just made? Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, but right. taking on the point, I think we traded messages on this on on uh, Twitter. On Twitter is that. Very often in B2B, the quality of, of a given, we're talking about a physical product, because yes. things get a bit more complicated when we get the service out. But if you've got a physical product, which you are supplying, that the, 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 the European manufacturing base for Nissan is about, can you, oh, where am I? Is about two miles that way. Nissan's, yeah, big, yeah. Yeah, Nissan's European plant is in Sunderland. If you want to sell a product to Nissan, bit simplistic because there's a much longer buying cycle and this and the other but if we wanted to sell a button a switch or set of switches to nissan those switches have to meet a certain standard of of manufacture to certain tolerances and this that and the other so the quality is a given because if you don't meet that quality nissan won't buy it end of story so there are some products and particularly if you're talking safety issues so if you're making uh, safety valves for gas cylinders, you have got to hit a certain quality. Otherwise, it can't be fitted, you know, sold to another business who fits it to their product, which that might then end up with the end consumer. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I, I just try and get this across to, to the kids when I was teaching them. Um, I used to tell them to stand up and look at their seat. Well, look at your seat. What's it made of? Well, there's some wood and there's some metal and there's some plastic. Do you think one business makes the metal, makes the wood and the plastic? No, it, the, the people that the university have bought the chairs from, they assemble the chairs and they will buy the plastic feet from one company. They will buy the bent metal framework from another company and they'll buy yeah. one from another. So now we're getting into the students, Peter you might work for the company that does the metal bending. Yeah. So you're not trying to sell them to the university. You're trying to sell it to the company that assembles Cheers. And I think a lot of the marketing textbooks and a lot of the theory don't actually consider that that B2B chain of, chain of events. Um, That's a great point. I also think now um, you, you're starting to get into Peter Drucker's um, um, thesis of, uh, of, the, of the business front end and the business back end. Yeah. Is this, thing, this distinction of um, um, what are you good at? versus, versus a, a, a perhaps more intuitive or a, appealing uh, way of thinking to an entrepreneur, which is, oh, we're going to do everything. And I think yeah. you, you're, you're spot on. When it, I, when, I when used you're... to like one of Drucker's quotes, which is something you already kind of touched on it. Uh, I used to have it at the head. that It was at the front of one of my module guides when they used to teach, teach marketing. It was something like um, marketing is the business as a whole, the whole business. Everybody that works for the organization is part of its marketing. And, yeah. and I used to start my first session with the with marketing class, you know, week one, um, particularly if it was like introduction to marketing or, or something like that, you know, an introductory mm -hmm. model yes, module. Um, I would say, right, let's take the university. Uh, the argument that, that everybody is part of the marketing, not just the people in the head office who handle the, the, 
you know, advertising and things, everybody. And what I say to them is this, okay, let's just assume, it's always, always got a bit of a giggle in the first week, let's assume I am the greatest marketing lecturer the world has ever seen. Yeah. Where's so, the lie? Where's the lie? <laughs> well, that's, exactly. I told you, it caused a bit of a, you know, it's a good, it's a good icebreaker. But then I would say, right then, uh, you're all sitting at these desks now. Um, would you be taking much notice of me if, if your feet were sticking to the floor because the, the carpet hasn't been cleaned or because you can't rest on the table because it's dirty and you can't see out of the windows because they're dirty? Would yes. you have the same experience as the from the greatest lecture? No, you wouldn't. So me being the greatest lecture the world has ever seen, I still depend on, and I pick this particularly because I, I actually think this is wrong, the cleaners are the lowest paid people in the organization. And yet if they clean, if the cleaners don't do their job properly, it destroys all of the qualities higher up the chain, if you like. Uh, and that, if you've yes. got, we, go, we then go into a much wider field of the cleaners, lowest paid, turn up for work one morning and the, the supervisor says, right, I want you to clean room, rooms five, six and seven. That's your job for the day. You've got two hours, clean those rooms. If you employed, sorry, if you employed cleaners based on their attitude towards work, you could say to them, right, um, sorry, but you say, I want you to clean rooms one, two, three and four. What I want you to do is do the tables and the windows today. And then tomorrow, do you, if you picked a, a cleaner on attitude and just said, you've got the four rooms, do what you think is necessary. And a good cleaner would then go, well, actually, I did the tables yesterday, so I can give them a quick wash, but I can really give the windows a good clean today. Yeah, if you gave them sort of decent money and employed people and said, do, yeah. do what you think is best, you would Man. do a far better job than saying to them, today you clean the tables, today you do that. Because what they would do is they would go into the room with the mentality of how do I make this room as good as I can for the students and the lecturer coming in? And there, that's there very are, different to cleaning a room. There are a million uh, different uh, directions in which I want to I want to take this. This is so interesting. Let me let me first quickly give a shout out to my mentor uh, Rory Sutherland, who actually explained this concept to me, which is uh, yeah. the the analogy that he uses um, is the analogy of if you go to a restaurant, a Michelin, and you you get served Michelin starred food, which yeah. would be uh, the literal interpretation of product in the in the sense of product A, where it's all about quality. You have a, you have something that's high quality, but if your forks uh, and one of the the um, what is it called? A tooth of the fork? Yeah. Uh, one of them. Yeah. Prong. Yeah. Prong of a fork. Prong. Oh, yes. Yeah. Thank you. One, one of the prongs is a, English as a second language. Yeah. <laughs> one, of the, one of the prongs is out of alignment. Um, then you're, you're, you're going to be bothered by that. Or, yeah. you know, if the, like you said, there's a, an unpleasant smell. Uh, the, the, there's a little bit of a switch uh, smell. Yeah. So now you can, yeah, that opens this, this, it opens the possibility of starting to view product more holistically where you start to say, no, wait a minute. It's, product is not just the food. Product yeah. is the way you're greeted when you, when you enter the yeah. store. Product is the facade of the store yeah. itself. Product yeah. is the location. Like you said, a location brings with it a different perception of, the, of how, how it's going to be. Uh, the music that is playing, the how friendly the people are. Um, I'm, I'm going so to interrupt you, you again because I'm sure Rory, if you know him, Colin Rory, you can turn that round. And if you've got really good waiting staff or really good staff, you don't need the best food. Yeah, exactly. But but I do think I do think um, it's it's multiplicative and not additive in the sense that um, product needs to be it needs to be non-zero. 
And, yeah. uh, and I don't mean this in a, which is, uh, unless you're doing performance marketing, which is uh, like in the literal mathematical definition, but just as a heuristic, just as an analogy. Uh, and what I mean by that is that um, if you have in an incredible product, that, that's my belief, and maybe you disagree, uh, you can uh, sh uh, let me know in a second. If you have a, a terrific product, but the all of the stuff, product in the literal definition uh, of quality, but the stuff around it is, is um, uh, a little more janky, so uh, the, the the restaurant doesn't smell as nice. The environment is a little bit eh, a little bit yeah. iffy. I, I I think you can still make it, but the inverse I don't see that working. Where everything is good except for the food, because now you run into a situation where the the one thing that matters is a problem. Yeah. Because I've had I've had these experiences, and you need to be careful with reasoning by analogies a little bit. But where everything was amazing except the food, and I didn't went back. Yeah. I didn't go I, back. So yeah, I think that there is a balance though. If the food, if you've got like wonderful food, shite food, and okay food, you you might go back to the okay food with the excellent service. You wouldn't exactly. go back if it's shite, but if edging up yeah. that, that a customer will look at it, oh, because here we throw in the other one, which you've already talked about, is price. Yes. Where Very you good. look at the restaurant, where if I'm going into the five-star restaurant with the this, that, and the other, and it's costing me, I'll just use the figure a hundred pounds i expect yeah. it to be absolutely perfect yes but if i'm only pay only if i'm only paying 50 pounds then your mm -hmm. expectation lowers and that's where you might get the balance of very well, good we know the food would have been better but you do get have you ever been to france you do get the situation where sometimes my experience if you go to these high class food places the, the service is almost deliberately not as good. Almost that attitude of, well, you're here for the food, aren't you? Mm. Kind of thing. You know, and, and but then if the food is so exquisite, you think, well, I'm going to put up with this. I'm going to put yeah. up with having to wait to get some more wine or whatever, because the food is so good. But it is that whole balance. And I, th I think you've, um, you've picked an almost perfect example of a restaurant because there is so much going to it is uh, and restaurants are different you know if you go in the the what i call and i don't mean this derogatory it's just my description plastic restaurants which are the chain ones you know can, can we mention names on here but you go there are certain chain restaurants where if you go into nando's you know exactly what you're going to get you're going to get yeah. fairly cheerful staff but they're running to a script because they're not for for the people who, who haven't been to London or I don't know exactly where uh, Nando's, Nando, are, Nando's is Portuguese. I think oh, okay, Nando's yeah. All right, yeah, yeah. I, I, I know of uh, Nando's mainly from people from the UK, but uh, but but um, what bracket is it for the people for the international listeners? This is like it McDonald's. Is, it is. Uh, it, it's uh, McDonald's plus. What? It is. Uh, they are a restaurant rather than a takeaway. You normally would they normally look to bring in groups of people. So it's where a group of staff from work might go after work or have a leaving party. Yeah. I don't think it's somewhere where you take your, uh, your um, first date to Nando's. Yeah. That's, it's not that kind of, it's more about friends and family. Yeah. It's more about what's the word more about the event than it is the food. The food is okay, perfectly acceptable, but the staff are where they give you, you know, they say happy birthday to you when they're cheerfully and things. But Nando's is always trying to get you out. 
because yeah. they want someone else at your table. So that whereas you go into a, a, a five star restaurant, you expect it to be there for the evening. You know, that yeah. table would be that you're, you're paying for the table for the evening when yeah. you pay the hundred pounds ahead kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Whereas Nando's is no, and, and I don't mean this as any disrespect to Nando's. I've had some really good nights at Nando's with, you know, with the drinks coming in and, and, and it's that kind of place. Yeah. All right. Um, let, so so by, yeah. I don't, by plastic, I do not mean as a negative. It's just that, you know, well, and, and here's, here's the thing. Every Nando's is the same. So if you're in a new town, and let's say um, let, let's say me and you and six others met up and we said, oh, let, let's go for a drink after this. Where should we go? Nando's. You know what you're going to get at Nando's. And that's a yeah. positive. You know, that is a positive that we don't. Uh, well, that, that, that restaurant looks nice or that one looks nice. Well, there's Nando's. What do we want? We want somewhere for something that's reasonable to eat. We're not going to leave it. It's a reasonable price. And we're going to be able to sit and, and, and have a laugh and a, a, a chat while we're there. Yeah, exactly. Thank you very much. All right. Um, I'll, uh, let me let me quickly close up the um, one of the, the open threads, the loose uh, threads, which we uh, which we had in the uh, the beginning of the conversation with uh, with respect to B2B and B2C. Um, yeah. I also think um, very quickly, because I, I want to take this all the way back to the beginning of marketing fundamentals. Yeah. Um, I also think the there in mathematics, it's very important that you're uh, whenever you start talking about something that you uh, inform the reader or the, the the other person which domain you are talking about because it, it impacts what is true and what is false mm -hmm. so to take a very simple example is seven divisible by two it, it depends on the domain because if you're talking about natural numbers those are whole numbers uh one two three four and and 3.5 isn't in that set of natural numbers so if you're talking about natural numbers or integers which also includes the negatives then the answer is no but if you're talking about rational numbers or or real numbers then it's yes because it's in 3.5 is in that set and I think the same the same thing is true in uh, in marketing when it comes to our, our like you said are we talking about small businesses or like huge brands so for example I had a, an interesting conversation with Steph Hammerlink uh, his his episode is going to launch uh, going to ship this Sunday uh, and 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 he's he's you know a, a branding professional so he 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 has he places a very strong emphasis on distinctive assets um, and if you hear uh, smart people like that talking about that and you know um, uh, Byron Sharp Professor Byron Sharp from EBI uh, Aaronberg Boss Institute uh, you know it's all about distinctive assets and market penetration but if you're a small business then you know how important are distinctive assets really not not that much because because you're you're most of your your traffic and most of your customers are, are probably going to come through some form of network essentially yeah. oh, so that I, changes I, the I, dynamic I, I totally agree with that and I'll, I'll come back at you and say that I think it's what do you mean by branding and when you read a, a marketing book or when you read what the, the, the guys that you've spoken about uh, who've written books branding is McDonald's it's Nike it's Adidas it, it's the big brands Bring it down to the local business. I've just told you about the, 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 the cafe that closed after 50 years in Sunderland, and now I can't remember its name, so that wasn't a good, good, uh, good example of the brand. But the brand was simply the sign over the door and the man that ran it. He yeah. was the brand. It, it becomes yeah. more about reputation. Yes, yeah, re good, good word, reputation rather than brand. And you talk to small businesses, I... I, I I know of a, a small business, relatively small business, although probably medium business, which sells software to engineering companies. 
that they don't have a brand name as such, not a brand. If you said to them, what's your brand name? Well, we ain't got a brand name. You've got a name, there's the name of the company, but what they've built is a very good reputation with the after sales service. They sell software to engineering companies. Engineering companies quite often have people who can't work computers properly to set it up for their manufacturing things. So they've got an after sales service where they say, just ring us up. And they've got trained people answer the phones and they go, right, what, what are you doing? Right, what's your problem? Right, where are you? Right, now, here, what, much like you just did with me. Right, clear the screen by pressing this. Now try pressing that. What side, now, now do this. Now have you got the screen? And then the person on the other end goes, yeah, got it. Thank you very much. That's what they build their reputation on. And like you've just mentioned networking, what happens is these engineering companies get together for trade We're shows. Oh, we're having a real play on with our computer. Oh, it's absolutely shite. We've lost, we've got no end of orders. Oh, actually, last year I signed up with, I won't name them. Um, we signed up with the company F magic. The, the software's okay, but the after sales is perfect. What's their phone number? That's, yeah. that's I, how the pocket intends to work. I don't know if you're uh, if you're familiar with uh, Marty Neumeyer or Neumeyer. Yeah. Um, okay, yeah, he he he's um, yes he he's someone who's well known um, in 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 the branding uh, world essentially. Yeah. Um, he started an agency and he did a lot of work with uh, the design of the Apple boxes and Microsoft oh, oh, boxes yeah. in Silicon Valley. Yeah, back when yeah. Uh, software yeah. was still shipped in boxes essentially, and he has he has this uh, this um, definition or or heuristic. Uh, where it's where he says something along the lines of branding is is not what you say something is it's about what they say what it the is so, yeah yeah and I think that becomes more true when you're when you're talking about like smaller medium-sized companies I think because there's an issue where like you said uh, which is very important that you need to specify the domain because a lot of the information on marketing and branding etc is yeah. designed for fortune three companies almost yeah. Yes, you know, and yeah. that, that's that's a problem because you can't. It's just like uh, scientific research. You you always need to be careful with external validity, which means how mm. well do you uh, do you how well uh, can we generalize your results from this specific study to say the general population? Yeah, and that is something. But I, but I actually wanted to take it back to marketing fundamentals. Mm. Let me uh, let me ask you one question real quick. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to spend too much time on this because I want, like I said, I want to go all the way back to uh, marketing fundamentals. Yeah. But really quickly, um, since we touched on this topic, where do you stand on differentiation with respect to call, uh, small companies? Do you think it's it's uh, it becomes more important when you're smaller, uh, being different, or do, or do you have an attitude where it's like there's so much um, uh, demand from the market that it, it doesn't matter that much to be differentiated, yeah, just do a good uh, job, etc. I, I think. Uh... Do you know what I'm? I'm going to, I'm going to come back and say almost the way that the organisation employs the four P's differentiates itself. So oh, let's go with restaurant one. again. Yeah, you mm -hmm. could different. Right here's the, you you've <laughs> you've set us on a good example with restaurants. If you've got a restaurant in the town centre, yeah, and a restaurant in the suburbs. Okay, so you know it, it's yeah. a town centre where you've got lots of traffic from people passing. There might be offices and things nearby, or in the suburbs where basically you've got to get in your car and go to. So, Nando's are all in a city centre. 
where there's lots of people, people can go, where are we going to meet? We'll meet at Nando's. Yeah, that's great. My train stops there. My bus stops there. My tram stops there. We'll meet you in Nando's. That almost differentiates itself from the one in the suburbs, which cannot cater with lots of traffic. So it's more likely to be a specialised one. It might be a Greek restaurant or a Lebanese restaurant. It's where people go, uh, it's your birthday next week. Where should we go? Right, we'll go and shall we invite your brother? And yeah. So it's like six people say, we'll meet. What a good point. Whereas, what a good so point. So it's almost self-differentiating, yeah? You go you go to the, the one out of town for the special occasion, you know it's going to be more expensive. I just threw price in. That's you would expect Nando's to be lower priced, yeah? Because it is, it's got plastic seats and, you know, all, all of that kind of thing that comes, comes to it. Um, yeah. And, and again, yeah, so it almost self-differentiating. Now, if you've got, right, if you are the owner of Nando's and you want to differentiate yourself from, uh, you know, 10 other similar chains, well, what you do is you make it Nando's, which is, uh, I think it's Portuguese owned, but it's like a Mexican restaurant kind of thing. So that's the difference. It's Mexico, it's Mexican food. Yeah. As opposed to the other very similar kind of, of similar food, similar service, similar price, it might be Indian food, or it might have some kind of, um, uh, something that does differentiate it. And I can't think of anything off the top of my head that, that, that you say, if you go there, you will get this. If you go yeah. to that place, you'll get something else. But ultimately you're going for the night out. So yeah, you get a good night point. out there. And what happens then is that if you get 20 people together, Let's say for works, if you've ever had to organise a works Christmas do, it's a nightmare. Where do you want to go for the Christmas do? Uh, well, we think it's, no, I'm not going there. I want to go to Nando's. Oh, well, I've been to Nando's and I didn't like it. I want to go there. Yeah, but that's expensive. It's a Christmas do, you know, all of those things. So they're almost self-differentiate. Now, if you want to take that higher and higher and higher and, and how does um, Apple differentiate its phones against somebody else's i've got an iphone um you know and basically i'm actually going through the classes that i've done over the last 10 years the iphone technically is is inferior to to many many other phones so why mm -hmm. do we all buy iphones because it is a part of it is the box have you got an iphone uh yes sir i do i i, I bet you've still got the box um I believe so. I'm not 100% sure. Maybe. They're so good, you don't throw them away. It's like, wow. It's, it's, like, it's, it's wow. exactly. And it's like, it doesn't pull apart. And, and it's like, I can't throw this away. I can't put this in the recycling bin. Mine's in the, I, I'm funny enough, I, I, I'm moving house soon. I'm downsizing. And I'm having to go through, you know, throwing things away. And I still can't bring it. This, this, I've got an a, a iPad and I, it's still like, I can't put that in the recycling bin. It's, for, it's, for it's me, almost actually, a product in its own right, kind of thing. Oh, that's a good point. That's a good point. And I actually, um, I, I actually saw a, a, a small video of a, a person who was responsible uh, for the design, and yeah. they were te testing uh, hundreds and hundreds of different iterations in yeah. order to make sure that the time that it took in order to, when you lift up the lid uh, for the, the yeah. bottom half to come out, that, that it was uh, a specific yeah, you amount can't go, of, of seconds. You can't go like that. You've got no, to go. 
Like, yes. Yes. And and, and, it, and they didn't want it to to be to happen too soon, but also yep. not too long. So yep. a, a yep. very a, a crazy attention to detail. But I think uh, for me, um, Apple actually is is. Um, not that irrational because I think um, that's why that's why I'm such a big fan of Professor Clay Christensen's model of jobs to be done where because it takes into account um, uh, the totality of, of all of the features and the consumer experience of, or, or customer experience yeah. in general yeah. uh, because it also works for, for B2B in my opinion um, which is that yes there are there are uh, phones that have a better camera or perhaps a better screen or perhaps a higher refresh rate uh, so they have differentiation in a feature uh, but the way everything works together um, for me is, is um, in, in, in that regard, I, I think Apple still leads because, for example, I'm, I'm on a MacBook right now. And if my wife calls, I can pick up with my phone or with yeah. my MacBook where I'm working. Yeah. Um, if I copy paste, if I copy something on my iPhone, I can paste it on my MacBook. And if I yeah. copy something on my MacBook, I can paste it on my iPhone. So there's there are yeah. a lot of yeah. these these um, things. And I'm wearing my AirPods now, which would yeah. um, connect to my Mac, but also to my phone, depending on what I'm watching. And. It, it, it's, I think, um, from a jobs to be done perspective, even though there are um, products that, that are superior on, on individual features, I think when it comes to how the software and the hardware work together. Um, you realize you just went back to the restaurant, didn't you? I said with the restaurant, <laughs> which has fairly good food and fairly good service, exactly. you've just said yes. about the iPhone that it is, it, it's, it's not the best at anything, yeah. individual app but all together. That's, yeah, that's why I think, like yeah. I said, I think it's, I think most, um, if you think of things as multiplicative, um, it starts to make more sense because then you can say, okay, we can dial up features a little bit and we yeah. can dial up uh, customer service to, to this, this uh, quantity. Yeah. Uh, and then you get like a total output, which if that, if that's, if that's, um, more valuable than the amount of money that a consumer has in yeah. in their hands then a, a change will occur essentially a trade where it's like okay i value your money more than my product and you and i value your product more than my money and now we switch and um well, the there's other, an increase of, of joy at both parties the other thing with that is that and, and this is something i've often struggled to get to uh, small business to, to appreciate is that um apple will lose some sales on its iPhone because if the person buying the iPhone wants it for its camera, for example, yeah, they will buy the phone which has the best camera on it. Mm. Everything else on it might, be, might not be that much good, but they're buying for that. So as Apple, you've got to sort of go, yeah, okay, we're, we're going to lose those sales because we don't have the best camera, yeah? But there aren't that many customers who want the best of a particular element of the phone. They want the overall thing. And of course, yeah. kudos to Apple. You know, I've left my phone in the other room. So if it rang, it wouldn't come over on this. I used to do this with the students and I can't do it now. But if you pick up an iPhone to use and you put it like, pick up an iPhone to use and put it to your ear like that, you can see the Apple logo. And that's brilliant because when you look at it normally with a product, you would put it in the middle. And if you put it in the middle and someone held it to their ear, their hand would cover the Apple logo. They just put it near the top. And certainly, and, and certainly it does still exist. And, and it certainly exists in the early days of Apple. There was the check me out, Apple. Yeah. yeah. Not, not just Apple phone. So there is that element to it that, that 
did I always try to be honest with myself and look at it. Was that part of the reason I first bought an Apple phone? Yep. Yes. Now, now we're starting. <laughs> Almost yeah, certainly. Yes, that was part of it. That's why I, yeah. that, not that total thing, because I soon went to you. I, I'm on a PC now, but I do have an iPad and all of my calendar. It, it is the common term commonly used in, in B2B switching cost. If I exactly. went to a different maker yeah. phone, I then it doesn't it might not sync with everything and this and the other. Yes. And that's another yeah. one in a B2B. I used to stand in front of classes and things and go, what's switching cost? And they've no idea. Well, guess what? If you're selling computer systems to businesses, switching costs is one of the biggest issues you've got to get over. Yeah. But if they're taking one uh, computer you are, you are, you are tied out and put another one in, it's like the, the basic yeah. switching cost is I can't make anything for a week. Exactly. And that's a lot of money for, you know, yeah. it, it is that element to it. Uh, whereas the, the Apple thing is more of a conveniency, you know, yeah. I'm I, sure I, I, I could I, buy another phone and switch it over. But yeah. And, and, but it also depends on how many Apple products you have, because there's this, this, um, um, you get locked into this ecosystem where everything works together and uh, the software and the hardware and, you know, what, what are you going to do? Get a windows laptop. If you have an iPhone and iPad and AirPods, yeah. you know, that yeah. it, so that's a, a very small, a smart choice on uh, on Apple's part, and yeah. I believe full, full um, that was full mark. Yeah, exactly. And I believe that that wasn't accidental. So sometimes stuff uh, happens accidental, and then yeah. people will rationalize it and pretend that that was on purpose. But I think it was actually in uh, uh, something they did uh, purposefully. But um, all right, let's get back to. Uh, Yes, let's get back to uh, marketing fundamentals. So we have yeah. a definition of uh, mar marketing. <laughs> yes. yeah. That was about an hour ago, that was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Okay, so we have our definition of marketing, at least, a sh at least one that's directionally close enough, yeah. which is selling. Marketing is about selling. Um, okay, what's the, what are the next steps? What, what are the, some, some of the pillars that we need to consider? So we, 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 we talked about the four P's, but that's more tactical. So um, how, how should we break it down? We have um, marketing, which is selling, and, and now what's next? Uh, not sure I understand your question. Okay. How, how, um, we have a definition of marketing, which yeah. is the sits at the top. But yeah. what are the what are the pillars that we should put under this 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 label marketing next? That, so for I, example, I'm, yeah, I, I'd I'd still go with the four P's. It, it's okay. the reason you you almost, I think you almost said it before, and I used to say it to the students, and I'd say it to 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 business owners and managers as well. Is if you've got to do some marketing, you can either start with a blank sheet of paper and go, uh, or if you say right, you've got to do some marketing. Right, here's four things to consider. Consider yeah, well, your promotion, consider your price. And so it's not that, and they are guides. They're not the, they're not the be all and end all. Some of them wait, might, let me, you let know. Me, let me interrupt you for, for yeah. one second. Um, what I was actually uh, trying to lead you towards is um, to give you an example, for example, um, Mark Ritson's framework, which uh, which he talks about is you have marketing at the top, but yeah. you can, you can, you split it up into strategy into, oh, right. okay. yeah. Yeah, yeah, you you split, yeah, you yeah. split, you, you start with a diagnosis of a particular problem. Uh, so you turn yes, it into a yeah. yeah, yeah, you turn it, and the strategy is also is still part of marketing. Mm -hmm. uh, and then you you, you have your uh, um, you you have your diagnosis, you have your strategy, and then you have your tactics, which is how yeah. you're going to execute the the, the strategy. Mm -hmm. um, and then on under the tactics, you can hang the four piece uh, from Professor McCarthy. Okay. Yeah. See, I, I, I'm uh, I'm yeah. I understand what strategy is. 
Yes. Although when, when I started at university, I had no idea, although that's not true, it is idea, and I, and I think it's relevant. Uh, I always used to bring this in when I was teaching the subject, is strategy uh, comes from the Greek and it's about military. It's mm. how to win wars, basically. That's what the Greek word, you know, that strategy comes from. Uh, and so you look at it and same with logistics. The term logistics in Greek is movement of armies. So you, you look back and, and I, I sometimes with the students to try and get them to understand, I would say right, the strategy is to win the war. Yeah. The yeah, tactics yeah. is how you go about it, which are different yeah. things. And I do agree with Mark. I, I, I actually, he's one of my favourite people, if for no other reason than he swears a lot. Although that was, <laughs> it, it annoyed me because um, we used to have very mixed classes uh, at, at Sunderland University and you couldn't swear which meant mm. I could never use some of Ritson's um, videos and things. Because uh, if I'd have showed them one of his videos, without a shadow of a doubt, at least one of the students, you know, from different backgrounds, different countries, they would, they, they would, they, they would complain. I, I yeah. like the idea. But anyway, I, I do, I, I really do like what, I like what he says. I, I disagree with very little of what he says, but he talks at a strategic level. It's that high up level. When you come down to smaller businesses, uh, and again, I, I another slight tangent for you in the UK, it's uh, small to medium enterprises, and you can be a small enterprise with a four million pound turnover, or you can be a small business with up to two hundred and fifty staff. Hold on, if you employ two hundred and fifty staff, you ain't a small business. You're quite a big business, in my opinion. But they yeah. all might be in one factory or one location. You know, they're not global and this, that, and the other. But when you talk to smaller, small to micro businesses, mom and pop shops, for example. Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. Or, or, or be, you know, just that, that half dozen employees kind of thing. The restaurant. The yeah, restaurant could employ 25 people. Many of them will be part time and different times and this, that, and the but other. But if you take mar margins into account, then yeah, profits but, are. are yes, yeah, exactly. But then they don't have a strategy. They don't know what the world is. They might not even have a plan. Should, the plan is a, still exists. Have a strategy. No, no strategy at all. I, I, I have, I have a thing with strategy. I, I talk about things being strategic, or strategy. I use the, 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 the word. If you take, if you say to people strategy, I think people think, oh, that's that's like a document. It's a written guide that says this is our strategy. If you yeah. talk about something being strategic. You're talking about something being more long term. So that, it's that, yeah. that understanding of it. That, that's the way I try and play it. I've never met a small business with a strategy. They might have a plan, but, should, but a, should, they might have a should. well, they might not even have a bit. Sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm doing them a disservice. They do have a strategy, but it's in here. Okay. I want to do this. By this time next year, we will have done this. But it's not this written document that you can refer to and bring your staff in and go, look at this. This is our strategy. It's just where we want to be. This time in two years time, I want two restaurants. Yeah, that, that, that's the strategy. But they must make a certain amount of money. You know, we must have a, 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 a overall income of this working at a, a certain profit margin. But that, I, I think that's business. Is that, is books, that good enough? Sorry, in the books you call it business strategy, but yeah. smaller business owners they just call it business. Well, that's business. Yeah. That's what I do. Yeah. You know, uh, 
is 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 that good enough for small businesses to or, or do you think there's there's room because there's how there's how it is and and uh what's optimal and do you think that's optimal or do you think that's fine i'll go the other way and say it's better that oh wow interesting go ahead if you haven't got a strategy you do you understand what i'm saying that in their head they've got a plan they kind of know where they want to be and what they want to do if you've got it, let's say you, you get someone in uh, who, who writes a strategy for you, suddenly that becomes the game. You know, yeah. we, we, that, that's what we're doing. Uh, and when I used to teach this, this kind of subject, the, the example I used to use restaurants, actually, I'd say, right, McDonald's has a strategy. Yep. So McDonald's, the restaurant, they, they, there's a, they, the corporate strategy, if you like, which were business strategy, marketing strategy, uh, recruitment strategy, all the little strategies that go together. Um, whereas if you've got Allen's Burger Joint, hmm. if something happens in the world or, or, or in Sunderland or wherever Allen's Burger Joint is, that I don't know anything from a shortage of bread rolls that that actually hit McDonald's didn't it four or five years ago there was a shortage of mm -hmm. bread rolls from the yeah. supplier they dealt with yeah and sometimes the potatoes contractually tied into those those bread bun suppliers Alan's burger joint goes shite no burgers who else does burgers oh I know them on the phone okay uh, you got uh, six dozen buns please yeah you know, find a baker's. So without that strategy, you're kind of more flexible to where you want to go and, and react to changes and that kind of thing. Whereas in the corporate world, your strategy is that we'll go, we need a meeting. We need a meeting to sit around and look at the strategy to see if it needs to be changed to adopt to this, that and the other. That's why I'm saying I don't think smaller businesses that don't have a strategy as in the, the word, the written down, that this is that their businesses, their their strategy and their tactics kind of meld together. You yeah, know, great that, point. Great to be point. honest, I, I often struggle. Where does strategy stop and, and operations and tactics start? Where do you pick mm. up? You know, when our strategy is to be and, and I hate the strategies. I think I agree with uh, Professor Ritson on this one. I hate strategies which are the sort of uh, we aim to be the greatest restaurant the world has ever seen, and we will provide our customers with the. Uh, Everyone uh, says that. Yeah, right. exactly. It's it's yeah. interchangeable. It doesn't mean anything because oh. it, you you don't even mean it because your own behavior demonstrates that you that 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 it's nonsense. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and I mean, I, I totally agree that if we look at someone like Nike, they've gone down a. a I think it's wrong, but we'll see. They've gone down a strategy of direct customer. That they're, mm. they're chopping wholesalers out. They're chopping out that, that's going to shops. I've got to assume they know more than <laughs> more than I do about this. They're Nike for heaven's sake. But really, can you really sell as many shoes from your head office by sticking them in boxes and send individually sticking them in boxes rather than putting them in big shops, which are like warehouses and customers can walk around and go, I'll have that pair of shoes. Yeah, I don't know, but but they they've obviously got a strategy of we want to yeah. switch from using wholesalers and retailers to direct to consumer. That's their strategy, yeah. right? Now, how do we do it? On another slight tangent, I don't think it's direct. To, I have a thing about direct to consumer. Direct to consumer in in marketing, old age market, old fashioned marketing is from the manufacturer to the end user. Nike don't manufacture. 
they have stuff manufactured for them, but they don't manufacture. So they are buying things from a manufacturer and then they're retailing them. That's direct to consumer is manufacturer to end user. The, the example in the textbook is the farmer grows the tomatoes, sells the tomatoes to the person that eats them. Even the, the, the big D to C new phrase of the, the who was the people that did the shavers and things? Um, uh, the, Dollar Shave Club. Yeah, there's two or three of them. They're all called D to C. No, they weren't. They didn't manufacture the razors. They didn't manufacture the soap. They bought nope. it and sold it on a website. And it was called, nope. it yeah. probably cost VC would pay more money for yeah. um, the, the um, oh, D2C, that's new. We'll give them lashings of money. That's new and trendy. Well, yeah, really, yeah, yeah. retail. They are still yeah, now, buying the goods and retailing them. Yeah, now we're getting back to uh, to Druckers, uh, front end, back end, because, yeah. because, because the idea... Um, is that if every business focuses on the stuff that they are the best at, um, the, the, the system becomes better um, because, because you, can, you can take advantage of stuff like uni, uh, unit, not unit economics, um, economies of scale, that's what I mean. Yeah. Because, because if you have to manufacture you know, um, 2,000 razors, that's going to be super expensive versus someone who does like millions and millions and you just order yeah. your 2,000 yeah. from them. Uh, and it's also more uh, effective because they can focus on just that. You know, you're going to need phones if you're going to be running a business and you're going to be needing a laptop and you're going to be needing chairs and lights and electricity. Do you all want to do that by yourself? You know, it, 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 at some point, it, it, the whole thing becomes ridiculous. Yeah. But anyways, um, all right. Ask me, so, ask me another. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, so yeah, the, the um, there are, there are two more things that I wanna I wanna cover, but um, yeah. let me let me ask you a hard question and um, just just take it how you will. Um, so you you taught um, digital marketing for yeah. for uh, quite some time. Yeah. Um, could you could you give a a a um, could you pretend that we that we just uh, finished the course essentially, yeah. and yeah. you're gonna recap some of the most important points to our our already educated students in order to to um, in, uh, reinforce some of the ideas and be like, okay, remember these are the important points that I want you to remember from digital marketing. From digital marketing, yeah. Ah, right. Well, I could say. Um, and this isn't a plug. I'm not on here to plug. I, I write books on digital marketing. I'm currently working on the fourth edition of, of one book. And I could yeah. argue that the 10 subjects I've, I've shown as chapters are the important things. Okay. Um, but what I'll, I, I don't think you can argue that search engine optimization is more important than the website's development, that is more important than social media, that is more important than others, because it depends. I know a lot of people hate that phrase, but it depends on the organization. For the organization, yeah. search engine optimization is the be all and end all. For another organization, probably in B2B, email, direct marketing email is by far and away the most important thing. Yes. The biggest thing yeah. I say to my students, and I've actually been criticized, we have to do, we have to do feedback from the students, you know, it's, it's the way of things. Um, yeah. One of the criticisms I used to get is, Alan, you spend a lot of time telling us how useless uh, digital marketing was and, uh, or uh, how it wasn't useful because my, my whole thing is, and I used to start the module and the book starts with, this is a book on marketing. 
it happens to focus on marketing using the internet, which is known as digital marketing, but it's marketing. And with marketing, that they, I, I used to like the, the yeah. analogy. It's, it's, a, it's a tool, it's a yes. tool. It, it's a tool it, in your toolbox. And that's it. Yes. And for some, and so what I, but the way that my books run the main, but I've done a few, but the main book that which I'm on the, the fourth edition of, I used to take the approach of, right, Here's the theory of, let's go with email marketing, direct marketing email. Here's the theory. Uh, here's the things it's really good for. Here's the things it doesn't work for. Here's the disadvantages of it. Here's the advantages of it. Yeah. So we'd study that. And then I'd say, right. And I used to make up case study organizations. And I'd say, right, case study organization one, it's a, a small museum. Case study number two, it's an online e-commerce women's dress shop. So number three is an engineering company that does that right now is direct marketing emails useful to any of these so then yeah. you take the theory and you look at the situation and you say yeah. no uh, where, where's the museum going to get a lit cost one of the disadvantages of direct marketing email is getting a list of people to send the emails to where's the museum mm -hmm. going to get the thing what benefits are they no but then this, the other two this, so yeah. what you get is yeah. Over, the, over the range of digital marketing tools or tactics depends on the context it depends on for some come and, and you know, i have a big thing about social media two books on but social but, media but, but, right. but this, this, like this. It. it's right for some companies it's not right for others and what's happening on yeah. on the twitter and things is the social media and the the influencers they're giving the yeah. message that it's right for everything that, no, that was just it's perfect was just, for some exactly waste I, I was just time a, for others yeah, I was just about to make that point because this is one of the um, the problems that I have with um, with uh, people like um, Gary Vaynerchuk, Seth Godin, uh, yeah. Simon Sinek. Um, they they all come across as as very friendly and kind people, but I I, I don't like this this whole um, descriptive idea where it's like okay, you can um, for so for example, this, the problem that I have with Seth Godin is he's so vague that. Some, that what he says is non-falsifiable. It, it applies because it's it's so it's it's too vague, and then it becomes you run into the situation where it, it can never be falsified because you can. It's almost like um, a horoscope, you know. Uh, some people like enjoy horoscopes, and it's it's, yeah. it's always true. And but with Gary Vee, it's like yeah, LinkedIn is good for everyone, and it's like exactly like you said. So if if you take the if you take the locksmith for example, how much is a locksmith going to benefit from SEO? Who who uses a locksmith? The, yeah. the moment when when uh, you realize that your keys it's late at night you went to work you, you come home uh, it's it's eight o'clock it's raining you're you're searching for your keys and you realize oh crap I lost my keys now you go on Google and now you're yeah. trying to find a locksmith how many people are going to be subscribed uh, to an email newsletter from a locksmith because exactly. they, they find it interesting exactly exactly yeah so so it, it depends on the context and and that is that is annoying because uh, imagine if you have an issue in your house and you need, um, nowadays we have like specialties, you have the plumber, et cetera, but like back in the days, uh, obviously you know this much better than I do, but the, 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 theme, the thing of like the handyman, one person who could do all of it was yeah. more common yeah. than it is nowadays. Yeah. Uh, but, but imagine if such a person came into your house and they, they loved hammers and now they're trying to fix everything with a hammer, hammer, you know, yeah. the, you're, the, 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 the tool is a function of the problem that you're trying to solve. But they, you give it a good. I really, really, I'm not plugging the book here. But when I when I decided, no, 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 I, I, no, wait, I, wait, wait. I want you to plug the book. You know, okay. uh, I'm gonna list it in the description because okay. there's so much misinformation. Because the people who don't know a lot about marketing are very loud yeah. and vocal. So yeah. you know, be be uh, very anyway, vocal. 
that when I, when I decide on the 10 subject areas for the 10 chapters, and I yes. do appreciate, uh, I, I, slight tangent again, I don't believe in digital marketing as a separate entity. It's part of marketing. However, I agree. at I universities, 90%, 100% nearly of universities teach on modular schemes. So you have to divide the various subjects into parts. So yes. if you're teaching, you know, if you're teaching human resources, you've got a module on recruitment, you've got a module on training, it's the way it breaks up. And so it, it's logical to have a module on digital marketing. Although again, I, I, I'm a marketer that writes about digital marketing, but I'm a marketer first. So when I looked at the 10 subjects that I've just rattled off, which one comes first? And I decided search engine optimization comes first because you, you, you've just sort of, uh, you, you more or less told me I'm right, is the locksmith, he or she needs to be high on Google because search engine is where the customers will find that person. So they really need to concentrate on being at the top of the search results, whether that's by paying for it or just doing your SEO properly to get there, because that is essential. The others, not so essential. Particularly social media, no, your website needs to be half decent because they're going to click from the, the Google listing to that. Uh, but by half decent, it could just be, here's our phone number 24 hours a day. Oh, thank you. I'm ringing you up because I'm locked out. Go Don't Google, need Google listings. Well, Google business, business yeah. listings. Oh, well, exactly. Sure that, that, that's yeah. exactly what you need to look at. And that's what I've told businesses over the year. However, if you're not a business that people look for you on the search engine, Nike. Who searches for Nike? That yeah. you've no need to con you concentrate on on whatever it is social media or influencers or whatever it is with an influencer to sell a locksmith <laughs> you know it, it, yeah. so, you, yeah. so what my decision yes. was is that if, if it's important that you're on seo your digital marketing goes one way and if it's not so important, it goes another way. So that's where I start the book. I have actually got a little picture of a signpost that says, if being, if the customers, if, if the customers find you on search engines, this is important and you do these things. But if it's not so important, you, you go on a different route and you do different things. And you might look at brand building, at brand building for a locksmith. Yeah. Although, again, what? I would bring us back to our total thing. If the if the locksmith turns up and he turns up on time, or she, he or she, Repu turns up reputation. Time, yeah, turns yeah. up on time, is friendly, yeah. he says, oh, why don't you go and sit in your car? I can sort this out. If they clear the mess up after them, you know, and they leave the thing and they, and they end up, you know, after 30 minutes, they give you two keys and they say, there's your new keys to your door. Um and, and now you need to give and, me and they, and, pounds next and they time, don't jack up and they don't they don't jack up the price they, no, they don't reasonable exactly. gotta be you know it, it is again it's the, the uh, and this is another thing i have with small businesses if you offer a good service you don't need to be the cheapest mm. you can also i've said this before selling things um well why are your websites more expensive than them because ours are better what mm -hmm. why why is uh why is the your why is uh, why is that Fiat more cheaper than that Mercedes? Because the Mercedes better. That's it. Yeah. People yeah, will yeah. don't like to be ripped off, but if our locksmith gives a good service, that is his or her marketing because yeah. the people then go, "Oh, give us your card. 
And the next time they have a problem with anything to do with locks, guess who they're ringing first? The person that came along. And when they're talking to their friends and whatever, oh, yeah, yeah, got locked out the other night in the pouring rain. This, mine, this bloke came to see really good locksmith. Oh, what was his name? So the next time someone's locked out or needs locks repairing, oh, Dave and Janice, they used a locksmith. Text them, yeah. read them, find out who the marketing is the yeah. service that you give. Because this is how the, the, the this is how the the car mechanic industry works. If yeah. you have a problem with your car, because because the what's the biggest uh, thing when it comes to your car breaking down and you want it to get fixed, you don't want to get screwed. Dude, and people yeah. are very very uh, scared yeah. that someone is going to screw them, uh, precisely because a lot of these businesses are so short sighted. So they yeah. try and like rip you off, and yes. you know if you don't if you if you don't come back, it doesn't matter because you know we 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 uh, uh, Rory Sutherland uh, he calls this uh, I believe he calls this like tourist business or something yeah. along those lines yeah. where it's like you know you're 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 a restaurant a seafood restaurant and you do your business uh yeah. with uh, tourists you're you uh there's an incentive to um screw them over as much as possible yeah. because you're never going to see them uh anymore anyways and you're yeah. constantly yeah. getting uh, fresh blood and new supply versus a restaurant which is uh, in the city center of a small village yeah. where reputation uh yeah. word travels quickly um so yeah, I, th I think when it comes to uh, car mechanics, uh, this is something that becomes very important because now yeah. people are uh, willing to pay a little bit extra if that yeah. prevents the downside of all of a the sudden the, the, they're lying to you that your oil needs to be changed and your yeah. air, air filters. Yeah. And there's this worry, am I, am I being ripped off? Mm -hmm. um, so yeah. Yeah, ask me another question. All right. Uh, I, oh, did I answer that one? <laughs> <laughs> No, yeah, I, I think we've uh, we, we've covered the ground there. But I it is. That, very... I'm, I'm going to reiterate this, and, and I know it, it. The phrase has taken some stick on on the Twitter with the Twitter people that, that we follow and things is, oh yeah, it depends. Well, yeah, it does depend. You know, when oh when I went back to you when I went back to when I went to university, the, the guy that taught taught us, you know, year one, semester one, introduction to marketing, he mm -hmm. talked about the marketing mix. And it's gone out of fashion at the moment, but he described it as the marketing mix. And he said, in the kitchen, you have lots of different uh, products and, and, and ingredients. And if you want to make a cake, you use that ingredient and some eggs and whatever. Uh, but if you want to make a casserole, you use some meat and some whatever. So the marketing mix is the same. You've got the marketing mix is all of the tactics which are in the four piece and the promotion includes advertising and all of that. What is it that you want to do for your business? Well, I wanted to do this, right then. The marketing mix is, well, we need a bit of uh, PR uh, and we'll have a bit of this and we'll have a bit of that. And that will work for that business and that owner, because you can't, you might have two restaurants. You might have two restaurants side by side in the same street, but the marketing mix is different for the two restaurants. Because one yeah. restaurant is um, owner-run and the other restaurant is part of a global congo. So the marketing mix for those two are completely different. Yet for the customers this, this is, outside, it's the same thing. So I think depends. this is... Also, oh, the last depends is, can you afford them? Because I used to yeah. say this with students, right? If you've got an unlimited uh, budget, you do everything. <laughs> Mm -hmm. But small businesses, no, and, and a lot of my students went to work for small businesses. So they didn't go into strategic marketing positions. They would go in to be the marketing person 
at a relatively, relatively small business. And so the owner says to them, well, your marketing budget is X, whatever, 10,000 pounds a year. So you can't do everything. So what you've got to look at is you say, right, I've got 20,000 pounds. Do I spend it all on one TV advert? Do I spend it or, or do I, you know, they've got to look at it and go, well, I know the best result would be from doing lots of different things, but I'm limited. So should I spend it on marketing. a website? Should, should I give it to some influencer? No, spend just something, which is, and this is where I got the feedback from the, the marketing students who said you're teaching as non-digital. For the small business with the £20,000, you might actually be better putting the advert in a local newspaper or, yeah. or local radio than employing an influencer or something or anything digital. You know, it could yeah. be that you don't actually need a website or anything, no social media. Your better choice is putting an advert on local radio. If you've got this a is local some, radio, which yeah. is just that, then it's that mix. What is best for it? Yes, you might get more customers if you paid £100,000 to an influencer, but you haven't got £100,000 to give it to them. You've got to stay within your constraints. Yeah. I, I even and, also, and, also, and, and also that is debatable. You know, you're, you hope that the, the influencer is going to work, but, you know, um, it remains to be seen. You, Sometimes you really, engagement you is, really uh, don't want to get me started on influencers. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's a good two-hour session. <laughs> <laughs> um, my, my, uh, my big brother, one of um, my close friends, Noah Kagan, uh, he runs a, a company called AppSumo um, and, uh, or Sumo Group. They have multiple uh, businesses. Um, but but it's, a, it's, it's Groupon, but for software. Uh, okay. So they so yeah. they do they they have the group on business model but for software deals, yeah. uh, and uh, he, he he said the exact same thing you know for uh, he, he is um, um, we are very close so I'm I'm uh, I, I I absolutely love the guy but I I genuinely believe that when it comes to the process of like starting companies I, I think probably he's he's one of the, if not the most knowledgeable person on the entire planet, because he, he has done that process so many times, like yeah. dozens of times. And I'm just talking about like the getting started phase, obviously not scaling because we, we live 80 years and like 60 years maybe are like your business professional yeah. life. So, you know, if you're, if you're talking about IPO, you can do two, three max maybe, you know, if you're lucky. Uh, but like just the process of, of, of um, making something people want and, and, and making that trade. Here's my, here's a product, here's money. Um, and that doesn't get a lot of attention, that, which is why there's a lot of misinformation. Uh, but he, he has done that quite a lot. And as a function of that, you also uh, need to respect how um, the marketing mix works, whether or not you're coming at this from uh, an academic perspective or just, you know, because you want to make money. Yeah. Uh, and, and he has noticed that same thing. And he, he, he taught me that. Um, for for AppSumo, uh, the the Groupon for software, uh, they had huge success with um, Facebook ads and dr driving those Facebook ads to uh, a landing page where they capture emails and yeah. then using those emails to sell deals to people. Yeah. Uh, but in other businesses, that did nothing. And they tried SEO, for example, for their deals, but the SEO didn't really work because yeah. SEO is more of a um, it tends to take more of an educational form where it's like uh, I'm selling. Um, I'm selling skincare products and I'm educating you on which ingredients, yeah. yada, yada, yada. We build yeah, trust yeah. in how you 
versus versus um, uh, what AppSumo does, which is more about impulse buys essentially. Yeah. Um, and then, th so so this idea of of, of um, Facebook ads can work brilliantly for one uh, company, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it'll work brilliantly brilliantly yeah. for you. And it's the same thing with SEO and all of that yeah. stuff or cold cold marketing, uh, cold uh, outreach. And with your brother, although uh, Facebook advertising worked really well for his his Groupon type thing mm -hmm. uh, for software. Another company might set up its Groupon type thing for software. That doesn't necessarily mean that Facebook ads will work for that business. It worked yeah. for your brothers, but an identical product. It, 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 there's a reasonable bet that it would, but it's not necessarily an absolute. And that's where I think there's been a lot of talk in, in, on some of the people that, that we follow on Twitter um, of uh, academic theory behind marketing. And yes. I, I use this in one of my books where I, I'm not a big fan of academic research into digital marketing, but that's another Oh, interesting. But no, 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 no. What, what, what happens exactly is you've got in, in and I, I found this in universities where you used to get the problem of uh, um, why is the why is this faculty producing more academic papers than the business school? And I think it's because in the business and I'm talking all business schools is if you're in the physics department, and you come up with this new theory that if you add, you know, these three things together, it does something. And if you add those three things together in Sunderland or in uh, the Netherlands or in Chicago, the same thing happens. Yeah. In marketing, you can't do that and say, if you do this, this and this, this will happen. Because it won't happen the same in Chicago as it happens in Sunderland. And that makes it very difficult to come up with these theories, which are for want of a better word, absolute. You know, if you do this, this, this same, with, same with IT. If you connect this software, this software, this software, and press this button, this will happen. Oh, let's write a paper on that. We found, we found out, that's me typing, by the way. We found, we know it works and, and we can sell that. But in, in marketing, it's like, well, we found that when we did this and we did this, this happened. But this was in Sunderland with a specific business with specific okay. customer grouping. And it's an indication. It's an indication if it works in Sunderland, it might work in Newcastle, which is 15 miles away. And it yeah, might yeah. work in Middlesbrough, which is 30 miles away. Would it work in London? No. Because London is a different country to Sunderland. Yes, yes, exactly. exactly. But by the way, by the way, good point. Because you, you see the companies who are struggling with uh, having a successful business and then uh, trying to open uh, in China. And, you know, the dynamics, no one succeeds. There are, there, there are like two people who pull that off. Like uh, US and Europe uh, work tend to work better. But like, yeah. you know, US, yeah. China or Europe, China, Jesus Christ, which is why most of the most of the companies have uh, a clone. You know, uh, Google has Baidu, uh, Netflix yeah. has their own version, uh, yeah. whatever. So yeah, you get like these these uh, clones in China because it's it's just it's so different the culture there. The Tim Ambler has work on uh, doing business in China, by the way. But anyways, um, this is why I like Rory Sutherland so much, by the way, because he really respects um, the difference between um, academic research and like you know. Um, um, being pragmatic and on and 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 realizing this this uh problem with uh, replication but but um here's where i want to close uh this this conversation with you um because 
naturally, this opens the door to pseudoscience because now we get into a situation where you can say, okay, everything is astrology, you know, uh, you can't test it anyways. Yeah. So that's that now we're going too far in, in uh, the opposite direction. And as Sam Harris would say, you're now you're now you're playing tennis without the net. So uh, how, how do you how do you prevent getting into this situation where you say, okay, well, anything goes? I, I honestly don't know. You, you, you've moved into a sphere in which I have yeah. never moved and never really been interested in moving that whole um, theoretical application and things. Uh, I mean, you, you are, I believe you're a mathematician? Uh, yeah, that's by uh, training. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I am really quite good at arithmetic. I am absolutely shite at maths. I cannot do, I can't add two fractions together. Never have been able to. You know, I don't know whether it's different. No, no one can. No one can. That, yeah. we're, 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 we're making it up. But, but, uh, sorry, the, the reminder is when I was at school, it was fractions, not decimal. But the, I, I've never been able to understand it. Uh, and I've never, I've tried a couple of goes of, of kind of getting into it. When, when we started getting involved in, in search engine optimization and things, I tried to look at the mathematical side. I just know it's just beyond me and I'm too old to be bothered to, to actually take on something <laughs> new in that thing. So that old theoretical thing, what I, I tell you another thing which annoys me and I think it's related to this that I find it in marketing is non-marketers doing publishing what I think are marketing papers and they're flawed because the people, let me go, I've got an example, right? A published article by two guys, three guys um, in America, published in a, in a you know, respectable marketing journal uh, of, you know, from the academic sense. It's not, not, uh, not the top grade, but second grade. And they, they uh, looked at, this was about three years ago, they looked at the impact of reviews on sales online, right? So if a product has, has a review section as opposed to not a review section. Yeah. Do, does the, and it were they focused on focus, did that on purpose, on cameras. It was the sale of cameras. If the camera on the website has a review section, does it sell more? Are people more likely to buy it than if there wasn't? Now, I knew from 1997, when I was involved in an in e-commerce website selling stuff online, I knew in 1997, because I did A-B testing to websites, to web pages, that if you saw, tried to sell the product with reviews, you sold more. And if you didn't, and if I knew that in 1997, Amazon knew it in 1995, yeah? But these three guys did this research. To me, it's like, if it had been at one of my students doing a dissertation, I said, no, you can't do that as a dissertation. We already know the answer. But no, they did the, they did the, and boy, it came out at the end. They did the end, what they call the, the hypothesis with N equals this, and they ran it through all the maths, and it came out that, well, lo and behold, the answer is yes. But there was a number against it that said, yes, you're more likely to do it. So I didn't like the research because I thought it was researching something which is which technology had proven. You know, you don't need a theory to look at your sales coming off of a website of it. Um, but the three people were techies, mm. technicians. They, they had got computer science degrees. None of them had any qualification because you can look up the bios. That's the problem. You can look online. You know, Where have you worked? What have you done? None of them had done any research or anything to do with buyer behavior. Now, in my opinion, that's what their research was on. 
The subject was yeah. by behavior. How does how does technology impact on that? So no background in no background in marketing, all three of them, all computer scientists. I don't think they were qualified to do that research because they didn't know marketing, they didn't know buyer behavior enough to apply what we know about buyer behavior into that research. But then, yeah, guess saying. what? You get academics, and I used to have trouble with my students doing dissertations. They'd write a dissertation that say, uh, um, th this works because Smith and Jones, 2019, proved that it did. And you look up that, that paper from 2019 and you think, no, that's deeply flawed. But how do you tell the student who's referenced it in their dissertation that they're, they're wrong? when all they're doing is saying that we're going by what this research says is right. And it's the research yeah. which is flawed. And often the research, another one of my bugbears with, with academic research, marketing in general, there are exceptions, but digital marketing in particular, they reference back to previous work, which is also flawed. And I think there's, mm. a, there's some talk on, on some of the, the more technical aspects of, of uh, Twitter at the moment with the the medic med, medicine and things where you've got to go back and the theory is only held if you can reprove it and reprove it over again yeah if it doesn't yeah. work well you've got people like for example you've got someone writing an academic paper I read one a couple of weeks ago um, it referred back it was on social media generally and it referred back to some research which was published in about yeah, 2005 on social media. Well, okay, yeah, I would argue it was wrong then. But it's it's not right. You know, it was wrong then. But even if it was right in 2005, but we're talking social media. You unless the reference says um, this has changed very much since Smith and Jones 2005. But to rely on it to prove a point of social media marketing in 2020 is nonsense. Yeah, you okay. should at least look at it. Sorry, that's just a bugbear of mine. I get it off. No, <laughs> yeah, no, um, I think that's an excellent point. In fact, uh, Dr. Fu makes the exact same point. You know, that, that, is, that is, his, is core critique. You know, he says uh, there's a lot of research being done by academics who research marketing but, but aren't marketers. Yeah. Uh, and then you combine that with uh, the fact that he does a lot of work with, uh, you know, the, 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 the smaller businesses. And then, you know, you're sitting on a powder keg, which, yeah. Uh, yeah needs to be lit and uh, it'll explode. Uh, but but what is your, um, uh, how do you feel about the research being done by EBI, Ehrenberg Boss Institute, uh, Byron, Professor Byron Sharp, uh, uh, Professor Kuhn Powells? Um, where do you stand when it comes to that, that stuff? Do, yeah. do, you, do you still have the same? Um... Yeah, above my level, I don't even read it. Okay. So because it because it deals it deals with big brands and and what yeah it, it is uh, it's outside of my sphere of interest that okay. it, it's stuff that I, I I just don't have an interest in it because I'm I, I don't connect to it does that make sense I don't connect yeah. with what's going on uh, there's some stuff which filters down um, and, and like will appear in books or or whatever. But the, the bigger picture is not something that's really interested me because I've, I've never worked in that and I've never had anything to do with it at that level of things. That's why I say I started yeah. off our conversation a while ago. Small businesses. I, I, I'm, I'm down. I'm, in military terms, I'm in the trenches, not back in the, the staff offices doing the planning. You know, I'm, I'm, yeah. 
I might be an officer in the trenches, but I'm not, you know, I'm not the man with the gun, but I'm still, and I'm more in tune with that. And to be honest, even over, over my years when, since I've been teaching, which is 25 years, um, is I've never seen, I don't think I've seen any of that big stuff filtered down to the small business level. I still think it's a, it's a it's yeah. national, if not global. Yeah, that's what that, Dr. they're Cruz looking says. at. Uh, and even things like uh, buyer behavior, which I believe you have an interest in it, is the look. If you're looking at buyer behavior, well, actually, you pointed on it. Uh, the buyer behavior in Sunderland is different to the buyer behavior in Newcastle, which is different about the buyer behavior in, in the UK Amsterdam. is different to yeah. the Netherlands. And so when mm -hmm. you're trying to cover all of that and coming out with blanket statements, I look at it and go, no. Nah, the locksmith, nah, no, nothing to do with it. Nothing to, uh, and even you know the local is the local local supermarket. We've got a couple of supermarkets in Sunderland, which are part of a, a if you like a miniature chain. I think there's six of them in the region. Yeah. Do they copy what Asda and Sainsbury's? No, they can't yeah. copy them because they ain't got the money to do it. That they, they thrive on their service. They're not the I cheapest, think... but they that that's and local is another thing. I don't know if it's the same way where you live. Sunderland, yeah. I'm not from Sunderland. I've lived here 40 odd years, but I'm not from Sunderland, still an outsider to some things. Sunderland people are very parochial. So if they know that that business is owned by somebody in Sunderland, they'll buy from there. And that if it's owned by someone from Newcastle, they may they may it's no need, don't open in Sunderland if you're from Newcastle. Same with the other, there's, there's, there's sort of rivalry based on that goes back to the civil war between Sunderland and Newcastle. But it is that people in Sunderland, if you can buy it from a Sunderland business, they'll buy it. Locksmith, if, if your locksmith example, they get the phone out, they go on Google locksmith and one comes up locksmith, Newcastle, locksmith, Sunderland, they will ring the one in Sunderland. Yeah. I don't just mean because it might be more convenient. It's just, no, it's a Sunderland business. I will trade with Sunderland. Feed that into some of your buyer behaviour things. Where yeah. Have you chosen it on price? No. Have you chosen it on convenience? No. Have you chosen it on this? No. Have you chosen it on brand? No. Why did you choose it? Because it's from Sunderland. And I'm sure in other parts of the world, in Leeds, for example, it will be the same with Leeds and Bradford. And it's, it's in, you know what I mean? So where's yeah. your theory on that? When it comes down I, I to feel, a local decision, I feel like your your view on marketing is very that uh, very much that of um, a chef, like like you're the you're the Gordon Ramsay of marketing, <laughs> because, <laughs> because there, there there aren't there are there aren't really like laws where it's like um um you know you have the the food scientist who is researching yeah. what's going on on the molecular yeah. level. It's it's like you're you're throwing stuff together and then you're tasting it and you're like oh this is good. Uh, or, 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 you know, oh, this, this doesn't work with the except with the exception of um, food being replicable, yeah. uh, where um, I can make the same dish and uh, it comes enough, out the same um, in marketing. That. I, I used to use Gordon Ramsay as an example. Do you know that? that, that do you, have you seen the TV show Gordon Ramsay where he goes in America to failing uh, restaurants? I have, um, yeah, yeah. You have the UK version, the Europe, and the, yeah, the US right. version. So here's yeah. the thing I would say I've not seen them all, but in 100% of the ones that I've seen, the one key element that's wrong with the failing, yeah, with the failing restaurant, mm -hmm. the attitude of the owner. Mm. It all goes, when you watch them all, it's like the owner is either too, too much of, I'm in charge, I make every decision, 
or perhaps they've been running the restaurant for 20 years and their enthusiasm's gone down a bit or whatever it is, the, the, the problem with the restaurant always goes back to the, the, the owner and that applies a lot to small business. Small businesses reflect the owner. And if the owner okay. is positive, is, is outgoing, is friendly, or, or, or you know whatever it takes within that business, or the owner is an expert engineer, you know, that, that feeds into the business itself. And if the owner changes, the whole business changes. And the other thing is you can't replicate that owner. The owner mm. of the restaurant is the brand of the restaurant, is what it is. And if she, let's go with the she, if she opens another restaurant, she is not there. Yeah. So that whole persona thing can't move to another restaurant. Yes, she could flip between the two, perhaps successfully, but when she opens number three and number four and number five and number 120 and number 121, which is in the Netherlands, you've lost that, that whole persona, the thing that, that drove it from the, the, and what you then end up with is what I said before, the plastic restaurant. Because what she has to do is write down, if you like, a strategy of you will, in our restaurants, manager, here's what you do. You will do this, you will do that, you will do that. And it becomes robotic of a, yeah. her 125th restaurant. Unless she can employ managers or manageresses who can, can reproduce her personality, her drive, her enthusiasm, mm -hmm. which is impossible. Then, then that's where, and that's why some people, and I don't mean this to be negative or whatever, some people want to, I don't know, what's your exit policy, want to build a business to sell it to Microsoft for several billion in 10 years time. Some people want to have uh, restaurants in every town in England with their name on. Some people just want one restaurant with their yeah. name on. So long as it gives, they can buy a nice house and feed their children, send their children to university and drive a Mercedes. Why would I want to take on the hassle of opening restaurant number two. Yeah, I think that's a very good point. Yeah, I agree. I, Why should yeah, I, no, I? Yeah, I sometimes have discussions with people on that on uh, on Twitter because I I have the exact same view. In fact, um, we have two programs, uh, YRC and YRC Deep, and YRC is a twelve week boot camp for uh, indie founders. So indie founders uh, is a term that I make made up. It's essentially uh, people who are doing business via the internet. Yeah. Uh, there's already a term, it's called indie hackers, which are uh, usually, uh, which are always engineers, uh, pretty much right. always. And yeah. they're trying to uh, start a startup by themselves uh, via a non-VC uh, route. So yeah. it's, it's, uh, it, it's starting a startup, but instead of doing it with venture, you're doing it bootstrapped. So that's, those people are typically called the, the indie hackers. And I, and I just took that and like expanded it a little bit because a lot of people in, uh, in YRC are not uh, hackers. They, they, are, they aren't engineers. There are a lot of like non-technical, but I believe that there's a lot of opportunity um, with, for example, selling information or expertise, yeah. you know? Um, but, but in YRC, it's, the exact, it's this exact same concept. You know, uh, one of the things that, that we focus on heavily during the 12 weeks is something which I call a minimum viable company decrease your burn as much as possible using minimalism and then uh, make sure that the amount of money that you can pay yourself uh, via uh, your, your, your salary and the profit, uh, yeah. because I believe your, your business should also start kicking profit uh, back to you as early as possible, even if it's just like seven euros or seven dollars, you know, but yeah. just start building that habit. Uh, and that equation needs to be such that, that um, your, your total income exceeds your burn. And then once that is, when, when you have taken care of that, you are free to do whatever you want. You can grow it, you can scale it, you can um, in, in, indulge in your hobbies. 
but it, it, it takes this stress off of you, you know, and, and, and if you look at like the vast majority of people, they aren't even entrepreneurs, they're employees. And when you're in, when you're an employee, that's exactly how it works. You get more money than you spend, hopefully. And yeah. then you, you, you do whatever you want in the rest of your time. Yeah. So I, I think that's perfectly valid. Let, let me uh, just ask you one more thing. And uh, I think that's a, a nice place to wrap it up. Uh, I, I already asked uh, this, this, um, this question. Um, I already asked it, but um, I, I want to see if we can uh, find some closure here uh, because one of the one of the issues that I have when it comes to um, the disjointedness, if that's even a word, between marketing academia and the marketing practitioners is um, this 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 opening um, this this um, fissure this this crack this opening for for um, uh, pseudoscience where it's like okay anything goes. Um, so I, I already asked this, but um, how can we prevent that? Because if I if I look at startup startup education, marketing education, uh, mm -hmm. consumer psychology education, um, just all of these different things, um, I frequently see stuff where um, I think it's wrong, and then I can argue uh, why I believe that that it's it's wrong, um, but. But the, the problem that I, or not the problem, but the question that I have is, um, how do you do that if you um, are less bullish on like academic research? How can you then say, okay, um, with a, a, a from a Bayesian reasoning perspective, with with a high degree of, of certainty, we can say the probability of what you're claiming uh, that that this is the right approach is probably low. How, how do you do that? How do you how do you make sense of that information? Because otherwise, like your neighbor could say, well, Alan, you know, you don't know. So therefore, I'm just as much of an expert as you are, which, yep. of course, isn't isn't true. Yeah. Uh, again, yeah, I, I, I don't think I'm even someone who, who can offer a full opinion on that. I, I think when we're looking at research, we need to go back into the, the whole. I, I, I never did academic research in the UK. Um, were, were different to just about the rest of the world where I worked basically as a teacher but I was called a lecturer and then I became a senior lecturer in in uh, a lot of countries in the uh, in Europe and certainly in America to become a full-time lecturer you become tenured and you're a professor and in the yeah. UK you are appointed as a professor so you don't get many so mo main, most UK universities We'll have lecturers, senior lecturers and principal lecturers and a few professors who are specialists appointed by the university. Say we, we think you're a specialist in this, um, this, this particular field and, and that's it. So when you're doing, I, I never did research because I didn't want to do it. The reason I went into lecturing is, as I said before, I wanted to be a teacher. And, and that's what I did. I didn't do any research. At the beginning, I was under quite a lot of pressure um, because I was one of the first to get involved in this whole, we didn't call it digital then, this whole internet business, internet marketing, e-marketing, e-commerce, whatever you want to call it. And I was under quite a lot of pressure to do research in it. And I said, no, that, that's not me. I, I, I can't write academic. <laughs> yeah, I can't write academic language. I, can't, I, I hate reading it. I can't do it. Um, so I never got involved in the whole thing. But when I was, when I was sort of looking at it, to me, I called it a game. You wrote a paper and you then had it peer reviewed by basically six of your chums who, mm. who would eventually you would review their work. So you got yeah. a fairly close set 
And in the early days of the internet, back end of the 90s, 2000, I know there was actually some good academic research in the early 90s and mid 90s. But, you know, I knew more that if we take domain names, I was, if you like, I was, I'm going to say I was possibly one of the world's experts on domain names in sort of 97, 98. It was because I was there. It was I wasn't anything special. I happened to be in the right place at the right time with a company that was selling domain names. And I became an expert in advising companies what domain name they should choose. Not, not for new businesses, that's easy. It's for existing companies. If you're Nike, it's easy, nike.com. What if you are Sunderland Refrigeration Engineers? What do you do with that? So I got quite famous in that. And I would read some academic research on domain names and I could read it and I could just go, no, that's wrong. Not, not my opinion, that's wrong. That's just wrong. Like calling a domain name a URL. Uh, no, they're different. A domain name can be a URL, but a URL isn't necessarily a domain name. And that would be in an academic paper. I think that's got through this, this peer review. Thing. So in other words, the reviewers didn't know what it was either. I, want, I used to highlight this in one of my books. Um, some academic, proper academic research using the whole non hypothesis thing. And it's a, a decided that the best domain name was 13 characters long. Hmm. Uh, the reason was the most successful, the most successful- Correlation causation. Yeah, that the most successful companies in the world, if you average them out, their name length is 13. Yep. Yeah. And, and yeah. so they just looked at it and said, oh, the most successful in the companies have a domain name that's the average 13. That's because their names are 13. And you look at that and you think, really? Should, is that how to choose? Well, uh, you know, some of the refrigeration engineers, how do we make that 13 characters? Let, let, yeah. Let's get a scrabble out and try and do it. So that, on that side, I always think that the, the, the academia is a bit of a game and there is no outside person, the me, if you like, to look at it and go, no, that's shite. And, and I wish we had, I, I wish we had Professor Bruce Clark here. <laughs> I, I think him, because he, he agrees with a lot of this stuff, but I think uh, he can also the, the, offer. The, go ahead. The, yeah, you get that. The, it, you know, as I say, you, you look at it, and I think if they brought in outsiders, I was asked by one because I write books. A lot of the, um, the publishers also publish academic journals, so they kept asking me to do peer reviews. Well, I did a couple, and I was never asked again. Basically, what, what because is, I went what through the, the paper and said, this is rubbish, this isn't proved, this, is, <laughs> this isn't that. Well, that's not what they wanted to hear from the reviewers. They wanted to hear wonderful stuff. Well done. Crack on with that. What is the route to becoming a lecturer in the, in the UK? Is it, is it undergrad, grad, PhD, and then you can... Uh, or, no, it, would, uh, it, it depends. Um, do, uh, do you appreciate in the UK we've got two different types of university, old university and new university? No. Okay. Uh, old universities are there's. Oh, hold on. I used to know. I used to do a lot of recruitment for the university. There are about 160 universities in the UK. 60 of them are old. 100 are new. Yeah, that's about the balance. Old universities: Oxford, Cambridge, Durham, Bath, Newcastle. Old, old as in have been around for centuries. Yeah. To work in one of those, you would definitely need a PhD to get a to even get in. Yeah. But that reflects the way that they teach, the way that they present themselves. It is PhD stuff, yeah? The new universities were all made universities in 1994, including Sunderland. We were colleges or polytechnics. And the government decided 
looks better for the Great Britain if we've got more universities. And so the new universities work on a more practical level. It's more about teaching students to work than the new universities is teaching students so they can go on to do postgraduate PhDs and probably work in the same universities. Yeah, you mentioned it before about that, that sort of samey thing along. New universities yeah. of which Sunderland is very much a, a, an example. When I taught students at undergraduate, undergraduate and postgraduate, I was teaching them what they needed to know to do a good job of work for a company. That, that's the thing we're at. So how did I get onto this? You're asking about the, the route into. Um, I, I left uh, Sunderland two years ago, but I still have a, a contact, a, a colleague that I'm very close with. I, I, I did my first ever Twitter chat with him. First ever Twitter chat was with him yesterday because I had to ring him up and say, Gavin, you use Twitter. Just make sure I can work this thing, will you? But I joined our chit Twitter chat. I was asking him, how's it going? And he was saying they've just had two new people appointed as lecturers who have got postgraduate degrees. So you can get into lectureships with, with simply postgraduate. I got, oh, yeah. I got in lect lecturing with an undergraduate degree. I, I did take a postgraduate degree when I started work, but I got in on the basis of my managerial experience. Expertise. And expertise. Yeah. I think that is sad. I, I can't name names, but since I've got my... Uh, this isn't really me, RJ, live with it. My books are sold all over the world. So I am kind of famous within a field. I've had four new, uh, sorry, four old universities offer me professorships. Two of them, uh, all four of them while I was still at work, two of them have come back to me and said, oh, now you're retired, Alan. Do you want to be part-time kind of thing? All they were looking for was my name. Mm. And they admitted yeah. it. They admitted it. They said, look, because I said, I want to be a professor. I don't do research. And they said, we don't want to do your research. We want to use your name in our in our promotion, in our marketing yeah. effectively, because yeah. and, and kudos to them, full marks to them. Although I don't know if I don't know that they succeeded. They recognized that some of the companies that they were working with in research and in consultancy weren't all blue chip KPMG type things. They were working with some smaller companies who basically turned around and says, we don't want to work with our PhDs. It's above us, too clever for us, too, too academic. We want someone yeah. to consult with who can tell us what to actually do You're in almost... the digital market. I, I turned them down yeah. for a whole host of reasons, but that that's not my scene. And I think that the newer universities do employ people uh, if you go into a new university, you will find a lot of old, excuse me, older lecturers who have actually worked. I always say lecturing isn't work. Lecturing for me wasn't work, as opposed to when I used to work for a living, you know, when you had to work. That the bringing in people from industry and, and you know, I, I've, my students told me that, Alan, we loved your teaching. This, this is how I taught, RJ. I, I didn't do lectures. I never did lectures. I'd sit in front of the class and, and chat to a group of 25 students like we've been taught now. Uh, and I would yeah. try and make sure we covered what we were supposed to be covering. But they used to like my stories because I can give examples. If you're talking about domain names, I can give you an example. Did you know, for example, this is my teaching. Do you know Asda in the UK, one of the big four supermarkets? ASDA, Asda, right. It's uh, one of the no. big four super Asda, ASDA, it's, it stands I, for Associated Dairies, right? Been around for hundreds of years. 
I know, I'll let you guess how I know, I know that they bought asda.com off the Arizona State Dental Association. <laughs> now, if you're teaching someone about domain names and you can throw in a story, it makes it students rather than just giving a theory or, or quoting, you know, no disrespect to people that some of you, who's that? If I can say to them, yeah, here's an example. Here's an example of a website. And I know of an example of a good or bad website because I have not worked on it. I've worked in a consultancy or something. And I think the new universities recognize that if we bring people in from industry on all fields, whether it's science, engineering or whatever, if you've got somebody who has actually done it, is usually a better teacher than someone who only knows the theory of how to do it. I, yesterday with my wife, we were watching a movie about uh, an American football coach. And I think um, yeah. in some sense, um, when it comes to marketing, it's a, li it's a little bit like that in the sense that you know, you're know you calling different coaches and you're like, hey, I, I'm thinking about doing this play. And do you yeah. know anyone who has experience with that? And they're like, dude, we tried that like 20 years yeah. ago. It was a disaster. And you know, so, so it's, it's, it's there's an interesting balance. I don't know if you know Bill Burnback and uh, advertising, uh, famous advertising guy. Okay, Ogilvy yeah. probably because it's UK. But um, yeah, he, 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 he talked about advertising, um, which is a subset of marketing uh, as, as a mixture of, of science and art. And yeah. I, I think yeah. you, you yeah, run into- I get that. Yeah, I think you run into issues when um, you go too far in either direction. So when you when you start saying it's all creative, then you open the door to pseudoscience and astrology. Yeah. And when you say it's all science, you 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 run in, into um, you know the same issues that Skinner had in uh, in, in uh, psychology in the 1900s, where where it was like you know if everything that happens in the mind is non-scientific because yeah. I don't know what's going on in your mind. So it's all about a stimuli and a response. And it was that was so extreme. That, uh, that obviously eventually the psychology uh, psych uh, the field of psychology said okay this is getting ridiculous and they moved on and now in modern psychology we can actually talk about the mind and stuff like that yeah. Yeah. um so so i think i think you want you want a, a nice balance a healthy mm -hmm. balance just like uh, with american football coach how they are talking with other coaches who also have expertise yeah. uh, and then uh, and then you use your uh, best judgment and your question was about academia and and and, uh, and papers and, and research and, and I think I just said that in the answer. If, if, if you listened only to practitioners, you wouldn't always get it right. And if you listened only to academics, it wouldn't be right. Bring the two together and to a, to a much, much, much lesser degree. When I talk to you about having worked in, in, in sales, marketing, retail, customer contact, all of those things, and then going into a university in 1995, 94, well, 1990, Alan, I finished in 94. I, I was 35. <laughs> I went in and, and, as I say, much lower level, I was looking at these theories, like uh, you mentioned one of the theories today uh, on, on Twitter. Was it you, uh, Porter's Five Forces? Uh, no, you, it wasn't. I'm sorry, it was in one of our chains. I, I, I beg your pardon. But it was okay. someone talking about Porter's Five Forces. And I was introduced to that in, in the business, you know, business 101 covers like Porter's Five Forces. And I'm like, oh, fantastic. This is a theory. This is someone. And I looked at it and I thought, yeah, when we was opening a shop or when we was doing something, when I worked in retail, we actually did those. But we didn't know it was the theory. We didn't have it written down. 
we just checked on who's the competition, who's in, what's the, you know, the, the five things. Uh, and I found it very interesting as this uh, mature student that everything I'd learned in, in practice actually had a theory, but then I started looking at it a bit closer. And I think every theory is based on practice. Mm. Otter's five forces. Yeah. He didn't sit at a desk and go, ha ha. I think he'd been I, out in the industry and gone, oh, do you know what? Ooh, yeah. Right, ooh, yeah. And then the, the, four, the four P's, the four P's have existed since Ugg killed his first dinosaur and thought, shite, I've got more dinosaur, but I've got no fire product. Stood at the edge of his cave and shouted, I've got some dinosaur to sell. Three chickens and a fire is price. He's yeah. shouting at the cave is promotion. Which one? Promotion. Promotion. Uh, distribution is I'll bring it down to you. That's the four yeah. P's. But it was only 1960 something when McCartney McCarthy said, but, "Yeah, McCarthy, I'll yeah. write this down as a theory." So it's yeah, not that's... you know the practice has existed forever. Yeah. But until you but I, and my my criticism of some academics is they will argue that that practice didn't exist until someone wrote it down as a theory. No. Yes, and, and we're talking about business now. I do appreciate that in the sciences, you can have that thing where someone proves that if you add these three things together, something happens. Have we done that before? No, that was an experiment and it's worked. I understand that. But in, in business, no. Nah. It's been, it's yeah, been I, I, around forever. Yeah, I, 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 do, I do feel that um, the scientific process is important because it's in marketing uh, specifically, because it's not, it's, it's not about a, a, um, acquiring this, this, this bag of facts. You know, it's, it, yeah. it, it, it's, it's, it's a systematic um, process or it's, it's designed to be at least, you know, if everything is working correctly, which you pointed out earlier, that's not always the case, um, to separate fact from fiction. Yeah. And uh, it, it is a way in which you can achieve that. And I think that's what I like about it because it, 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 um, it closes the door a little bit uh, when it comes to pseudoscience, because now you can start asking questions, you know, how important is net promoter score, uh, MPS? Can we correlate that to revenue, you know, a change yeah. in MPS, et cetera. And now we have something that we can test, that we can replicate, that we can, that, that we can have a, a better yeah. opinion about versus, uh, because otherwise sometimes it, it becomes too much he said, she said, and then you, you get into arguments where it's based on authority, where it's like, okay, this person is older, you know, let's just go with him. Uh, and you start getting moving further away from truth. But as you said, you know the, the problem with marketing is <laughs> or, that it's, or if it's you've not... got more followers on Twitter, yeah, it exactly. Must be right, because yeah. they've got a million followers on Twitter, so it must be right. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. And there are a lot of mouth breeders on Twitter, and <laughs> the stuff that goes viral that. and tends to do well. Yeah. Huh? I love that mouth breeders. That's a great. Yeah. Great <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I. I, I... <laughs> I, I started saying that accidentally and now everyone is using that word. <laughs> but um, it's funny because I, I, I heard it from Stranger Things that I later realized that I heard it in a, in a show and that's why I started using it, but I didn't make that connection. <laughs> but, but the problem is that there, there are these um, perverse incentives which um, incentivize people to say exactly the wrong stuff because the stuff yeah. that, does, uh, that does well yeah. Um, almost, almost never correlates with the stuff that's actually true. You know, it, it can happen, but it's rarely the yeah. case. So you, you see, you see the stuff that do, that goes yeah. viral tends to be the stuff that's wrong. Uh, and what bothers me about that is that there are people who are new to marketing, whatever, or, or starting off their yeah. own business or entrepreneur. They see that and they think it's right, and they spend their money on it, 
and it's a total waste uh, and their yeah. business doesn't get off the ground because they've spent money giving you know doing basically doing the wrong thing because they've believed in, in a sort of innocent way they've believed what this person said uh, yes. and I think I, I agree with you don't get me wrong I'm not anti-science per se it's just not me but I do appreciate if we go back to Porter's five forces at least it, it's written down as something you can look at and you can criticize it while well, I used to get mm -hmm. how many times have I used this phrase I used to say to students when when I taught Porter's five forces uh, we'd look at it and, we'd think, uh, and the, the biggest critic of Porter's five forces was Porter Two years after he published it, he really took it apart and said, well, it's a bit vague. It doesn't really touch it. It's very dependency kind of thing. So, but at least it got something written down to actually yeah, very good. To, to analyze that, that, yes. critique that, and whatever. Yeah. And that's where that, the science can bring to us. Yeah. If yeah, that, 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 was the, that was the critique that I was making about Seth Godin, where um, uh, it can become so vague that you don't even know what the actual claim is. And, you know, if, 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 if I don't understand your proposition, then how can I falsify it? Because, I, because it's, yeah. you know, it, 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 like marketing is storytelling. And, you know, then it, then yeah. it, it becomes, it, 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 any way I try and attack it, you know, it's like, oh, no, that's not what I meant. And it's, it's like yeah. you're, you're too slippery. It's like you covered yourself in yeah. baby oil and <laughs> you're too slippery. <laughs> My, my, oh, my way, digital way, books way. are here. I've got Seth Godin's is on here somewhere. And when I first read it, because it's quite old, his original book now, is it was almost like reading a novel. Wait, which one? Permission uh, marketing. His first one. Uh, it'll be on here somewhere. And, and, but when I read it, I liked it, but almost as entertainment. I, I agree. Not, it's, it's, you know, I it's, agree, yeah. It's, it's definitely it's more, not a text more, <laughs> No, no, no. Yeah, exactly. His yeah. work are more uh, pleasure books. But I like, I, I, I'm actually more of a fan of his uh, older work. He he has done some uh, great stuff with, um, uh, who's the guy who made guerrilla marketing uh, famous? Uh, yeah. Jay Levinson, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Or some or yeah. some, something yeah. like that, yeah. Yeah. Um, um, he, uh, he wrote a book with him, um, Guerrilla Marketing for the Home-Based Business, which I thought or which I thought was astounding. I don't know anyone who's read it. It's 1984 or something. Really? It's not popular at all. I just stumbled yeah. upon it uh, because Audible recommended it to me. Uh, it's a great book because they cover stuff like positioning before they really before positioning was really like a, a thing and became yeah. you know more known because positioning came and then it went away and now and now it's big again. Uh, but but a lot of good stuff was in that. And also all marketer are uh, all marketers are liars, which I think is a good book uh, that he wrote as well. Uh, um, and that emphasizes the way you frame stuff and you know how you can uh, influence um, buyer behavior through perception and framing. Um, but like his latest book, um, um, uh, this is marketing. It was so confusing. I read it twice because uh, because I saw uh, good reviews and I was like, maybe I maybe I just like uh, yeah. wasn't really paying attention. Sometimes you're daydreaming, and yeah. so I read it again and I just I got nothing out of it. I, you, it's so confusing. Um, but 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 you made the point um, um, of this 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 disconnect sometimes between marketing academia and practitioners. And I don't know if you know Professor Nassim Taleb, but he does. Uh, he has written a few books, um, anti uh, anti fragile, um, I believe, and uh, the Black Swan, and a, a few of these um, these books. But he's a um, uh, he's a professor in uh, in risk. He spends a lot of time thinking about risk, and uh, yeah. he has this this uh, heuristic which he calls. Um, uh, lecturing the birds on how to fly. 
So it's, it's exactly what you said. You have the practitioner and then, the, yeah. you know, the academic is, is telling the practitioner, no, wait, you know, here's what you're doing. So you know that's what? how you I, can sometimes get into uh, I, I, I don't think I've read that book. I must have read something about it. But does he not use the argument that theoretically a bird would never get off the ground? Oh, if you looked at it possible. purely as the it's, weight mass versus this, that and the other, it, or is it bird, or bees definitely would never get off the ground. If you looked at the, the you know, the, the, the theory of wingspan and lift as opposed mm. to mass and this, that and the other, a bee would never, ever get off the ground. Yeah, you saw this actually with the uh, the Wright brothers. Why uh, with the um, the Wright brothers, where you know uh, experts were certain that uh, flight wouldn't happen, like even yeah. a day before they actually figured it out. So yeah, actually, you, you've hit on another one there. If I was still teaching, I'd be using your examples all the time. The first flight, in fact, if we talk about still flight now, although computerized, but if we go back to early flight, there was the if you like academic theory. Of, of if we do this, this will happen, you know, and I'm not an expert, but it's all about wind flow over the, the wing, isn't it, that gives lift or whatever, that there's this yeah. theory, which probably goes back 100 years or more before that, that there's this can happen. But then you've got the practitioner, like brothers, if you like, who start nailing wood together and, and building these things up. They turn around and go, well, actually, we've done that, but, you know, it didn't work. Then the theorist goes, ah, perhaps that's because we got this maths wrong. What what did you yeah. say about where you put the engine? What was the engine forward of the thing? Well, why don't you move it back two inches? Because we think so. You've got that combination of the man with the hammer and the wood putting this thing together and risking his life trying to get off the ground on it, and the theorist who is accepting the criticism to say this does or doesn't work, and then going back to the drawing board yes. and saying, well, perhaps I got that wrong, or perhaps if we did this, or if we did that, uh, try that. And then they tried that, now it didn't get off the ground either. And between the two of them, we've now got jet fighters uh, and, and yeah. jet planes kind of thing. It is that mix of, of, of that. I don't, think, I don't think we do that in business. I'm going to say we don't do that in business enough because it's relatively I, easy <laughs> to get too good. Yeah. Well, is it? I think you've got to have um, practitioners who are willing to accept theory and the, uh, no, theorists should, who are willing should. to accept practice. And there are exceptions to the rule. A lot of the people that you've spoken yeah. about that have written books will, will sort of meet somewhere in the middle and accept arguments from both sides. And because you've got this one side of the, the old... Uh, uh, how do you know that'll work? Oh, it's it's a gut gut thing. Well, actually, it's, I, I argue some way that experience. You know, you were saying um, I'd, I often did it with. I tried to when I was teaching. I remember once a cafe opened on on the main road going to the university, and it opened. And it was just in the wrong place. No no mm. footfall, nowhere to park near it. And I said to the students, "Have you seen the new cafes opened on there?" As you come, yeah, most of them had the bus and everything. I said, um, what we're in now, we're in October of the first term. I said, that'll be closed by summer. And they all went, oh. And I were, RJ, I was sad to say it because some poor bugger had invested perhaps their life savings in opening this calf. And it was never going to succeed. I felt yeah. like going in and saying, I hope you've not put your your life savings into this. This is was, this is the football that coach. This purely, is the football coaching. 
Yeah, purely my experience of saying, exactly. from my experience of choosing shops or choosing buildings to open as a shop, I looked at it and went, you can't park, there's no footfall. There was no footfall, by the way, because there was a zebra crossing 10 yards before it, where most of the footfall came, was walking towards the cafe, but turned off on the zebra crossing because all the other shops were on the other side of the road. If it had been 20 yards this way before the zebra crossing, might have made a success of it, but it was 10 yards in the wrong place. I don't know if there is a scientific equation that says works out on 10 yards in the wrong place. It was my experience that said that, and the students were delighted. They came back the next term, the next year, next academic year in October. Oh, you're right, Alan, that cafe's closed. And they were like, oh, you're right. And I'm going, that, that's nothing to be happy about. That, that's someone who obviously didn't have the experience, has never worked in it, never run, never run business, and they thought it could be successful. And what I tried to use, tried to do through um, sort of business clubs and things is digitally based mainly, but I'm still saying that's marketing. What I used to do is say to them, and the university used to do mentoring as well. I would say, yeah. put, put my name down. Um, and I'll just have half an hour with them. Tell them to come, come with me with their idea for the business. And some of them, like that person, if they'd come to me and I looked at it and gone, I'm sorry, it's in the wrong place. And what I want you to do is for the next two days, I want you to go and stand outside that building opposite and watch. Watch where the people go. And they would have come back and said, "You're this, right." This Alan. is this, exactly. It's, it's getting that, that's very that's very old school, by the way. What yeah. you're talking about right now, it's very old school, and 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 we've kind of lost that, uh, unfortunately. But but you know, just just putting your shoes on, you know, uh, uh, putting your pants on, and uh, getting your getting your behind outside of the building, and actually going to to a location, checking out. It's uh, people don't te really teach that anymore, and yeah. and you are right. That's 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 a form of of, of risk reduction and and risk mitigation that is. Uh, very smart versus um, investing, and then you know you you have some some cost bias where you where you 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 have in for a penny, in for a pound. You know you, it's like okay, now this has to work, so uh, you keep pouring money into it, and you find yourself um, yeah really in, really in a pickle. You you should really t uh, check out some of Professor Nassim Talib's work. Um, he he also you, has a book. Can you message me uh, some of these? I names? will. Yeah, I will. I will. Um, he has this um, uh, this this concept which is called skin in the game, and the idea of uh, of skin in the game. He gives this example: Why are there no bad airplane pilots? Uh, and uh, the reason is because if you if you are bad, you leave the the the, the pilots gene pool. You know, you leave yeah. the set of pilots because you crash the plane, and and that's that. Yeah. Uh, but but in academia, uh, oftentimes you know you can um, survive by bullshitting because you are not judged by reality; you are judged yeah. by peers. And yeah, and yeah. Uh, and now you now you have um, now you're again opening uh, opening the window to nonsense essentially because there's no there's no good forcing mechanism for truth in the way that oftentimes there is for you know the founder the example that you just gave where the, the poor guy goes out of business uh, there is an argument to be made that the world is very complex and uh, you, you you're dealing with something which is called a complex adaptive system uh, a technical term but like the, the it hints to this this notion that. Um, you can't easily replicate systems because there are so many variables and they're constantly changing and you don't know how to interact. So it's possible that if you run the experiment again, you get a different result, not yeah. just possible, but likely. So that makes it a little bit tricky to draw conclusions from failure. Um, however, I, I, I agree with you, you know, so a guy, a guy like that, he, he feels and, you know, um, uh, 
keeping the, the, the complex argument in mind, you know, you, you can see if you can learn something from that, but it's unfortunate that you have to do it that way. But there is this, there, there is this real world pressure um, that, that acts as a forcing function um, to, to get it right, mm -hmm. which is something that in academia you, you oftentimes don't have. Yeah, but you, you, you don't get punished in academia. Exactly, exactly. Particularly in, 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 in America, if you've got tenure, uh, then you know what you've got to shoot somebody haven't you to, to get sacked in that you know it, it is you can publish whatever you like so long as it's published there's no mm. comeback on you to say oh this is wrong or whatever um whereas you open a shop and it fails although again there's another argument i think if you look at america which i think is different to the uk is perhaps the i'm pretty certain it was a guy that opened the, the this particular cafe perhaps he's gone open to he's gone on to open another cafe in a because he learnt and thought, right, I, I, the customers loved it. They all, I, I never had any food, this and the other, I was in the wrong place. So yeah. I'm going to go out and get a bank loan and I'm going to open the same cafe, but in a better position, which I think yeah. is the American way kind of thing that, you know, failure, yeah. you look at, oh, why did I fail? Let's move on. I, I'm going to do exactly this, all the things that were successful, I'm going to repeat, but it needs to be somewhere where there's people walking past. Uh, and then, yeah. Perhaps he is now a millionaire. I don't know, but uh, you know, it is. It would have been a lot. I just, I, I really, I, I tried to get it across. I really did feel sorry for the guy because I got the impression um, that it maybe it, it took redundancy from a company or something. You know, and you know this. Oh, I'd, I'd always love to run my own calf, and so along comes the business of whatever is you know is an administrator for something you know. Uh, we're going to, do you want to take the redundancy? You'll get £50,000. Well, I always wanted to open a calf. And so like, effectively their life savings goes into this thing. Yeah, uh, yeah. And, and I'm not trying to sound clever, but it was never going to succeed. It wasn't niche enough to, that people would say, oh, I've got to park in the car park 50 yards away and walk to it. But if yeah. somehow it had got the niche of uh, whatever it is, Perhaps if it had been vegetarian, although vegetarian, my, my second wife was vegetarian. I've been used to walking around cities of the world trying to find restaurants that don't sell all meat stuff. And we would yeah. we would walk for miles because we'd know that may or if it had something about it. But it, it was a cafe. It was a very nice cafe. It was a reasonably priced past cafe because I've seen his board in the window. He ticked nearly all of the marketing boxes, but he didn't tick, didn't tick place properly. And that that cost him the business. So they do it, and and it saddens me that that this this is where you do start to wonder. Um, I'll have to wrap up because I have uh, I have to give a lecture soon. But this is where you do start to wonder. <laughs> put, put it on, put it on this, and I'll do your lecture. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to take you up on that. I'm going to I'm going to no. I'm, I'm serious. I'm going to invite you to uh, <laughs> one of the YRC deep classes. Right, yeah. um, Go on, you better this, finish but, up. This is where you start wondering um, if they could have saved it with, uh, you know, a, a proper differentiation. And 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 the technical term, the technical version of differentiation is always always meaningful by definition. So it yeah. needs to be a meaningful differ differentiation uh, to the consumer. So you start wondering, you know, maybe what if they said, okay, okay, we're in trouble because uh, there's no foot traffic or footfall, as you said. Yeah. Um, so, so now what do we do? Okay, what if we throw out, throw out all of the, the, the food mainly and we focus heavily on coffee with a few you know, uh, nice pastries and we're, go we're gonna go hard on that. And maybe that's enough to overcome that resistance yeah, or, of or, people crossing or, the road. Or, or if, if we ignore the last two years, which has thrown 
uh, reach out all to pieces. But uh, and you've got me thinking now, if that cafe had have done a, a uh, fast service collect windowy thing, that the people Ooh, walking along, oh, I'll walk 10 yards and because and, I, I know I'll get served very quickly kind of thing. That's, Something that's like it. that. That Brilliant. It, it's 10 yards, but if it's that now, if they're asking me now, I would say get the dreaded app. But can you make it so that people can order the coffee while they're getting it while they're getting out of their car in the car park, so that when they walk up to your window, it's Ooh. stood there with their name on. So they just walk that's, up, basically. Thanks. That's good. Walk off. Now, that's good. That's that, good. That's when. But unfortunately, if I'm thinking of that, so is every other bugger in the world. So you're going to have, you know, that that is no longer a differentiator, is it? because there are so well, many cafes well, that do uh, yeah. that kind of thing yeah true 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 that's true that's true but you're you're always surprised at how bad uh, how badly people implement the basics you know <laughs> so, so so you you oftentimes you're surprised you know you think well you know customer service isn't competitive advantage because everyone has good customer yeah. service and then you look around and you realize like yeah. you know it's it's a but, cost center instead of a profit before center. you finish I'm, I'm going to go right back to where we started with the four p's is yes the four p's is really really simple it is the guy at the bar knows the four p's don't they you know you know what's the four p's and the, the the guy at the bar will say i know what it is yep it's not the concept which is difficult it's getting the four p's right right yeah that is really 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 hard getting the four p's right it's not just them saying oh you need the right product it's what is the right product? What is the right place? What is the right promotion? What yeah. is the right price? And, and by the way, far, far too many small businesses think the price has got to be low. Oh, oh my God. Yes, no. exactly. We, we um, during um, YRC Deep is, um, is, is, is like an MMA gym membership, right. but um, you go to an MMA school if you want to learn uh, MMA gym, if you want to learn how to fight, because they, they cover all of the different <laughs> fields. They cover boxing, they cover right. Muay Thai, they yep. cover ground yep. fighting. And you practice, so you train. So it's not just like some, uh, they explain stuff and then uh, you know uh, uh, you sit behind a desk and then you go home. No, you practice. Yeah. So it's that combination stuff that stuff that's true, evidence based, uh, plus practice. And that's YRC Deep. It's an ongoing membership for uh, entrepreneurs and for marketers. Right. And then YRC is a twelve week boot camp where it's like, okay, how is your business doing right now? And we're gonna try and blow it up uh, in a period of twelve weeks. Very focused. Very. Um, um uh serious you know no dilettante no 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 nonsense serious people, stuff. I, I assume people pay you for that yeah 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 of course it, yeah it's a business yeah, yeah. yes yeah, a, yeah. not part of the university or something it, it's a business thing exactly yeah. exactly it's it, it's for profit i'm essentially trying to um ch uh, essentially trying to um build how i believe entrepreneurial edu education should be taught because yeah. i'm I, I i don't like the way it's being taught in universities for 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 two reasons essentially the academic problem which you alluded to where it's like you you're doing research for the sake of research yeah. versus you know actually real world uh, application and stuff like that um, and secondly, the lack of implementation, you know, you can't teach swimming from a university, you have to get in a swimming pool, you have to do it. Um, and, and there's pretty much always a lack of implementation, even if you if you get the right content from YouTube or Udemy or choose your platform, yeah. uh, it's still oftentimes way too low on implementation. And we at uh, YRC and YRC Deep go extremely heavy on implementation. So I have a background in behavior design under BJ Fogg. So I have a lot of experience when it comes yeah, to how he, behavior he, science. 
he was he was in my first ever book because oh was, nice yeah what what was fog's big big the, it was some was it something to do with usability or something um where he started you mean it's when I first got into in the mid nineties when I got into when, in the mid nineties he was still in the mid nineties he was still doing research on um, the the interaction between human behaviors and computer systems. That's it. Yeah, that's yeah. That, yeah. I, 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 it, it's as the books have sort of grown out of it, but yeah, is HCI is that his stuff? Human computer interface was that? Um, I'm blanking on the acronym because I haven't looked at that research for a long period of time, but there was a technical term, yes. Yeah, uh, yeah. Sorry, like... I interrupted you. Go on. No, no, no. It's all good. It's all good. Um, but because I have that um, background in behavior science, my classes are structured in, in, in a very specific way because I, I use behavior science to iterate. So one of the things we did wrong in the first cohort of YRC uh, is all of the homework was outside of the classes. And then I quickly learned that no one does the homework because <laughs> life, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So what we now do is we, we always have a, an upper bound on the classes of two hours, which is another behavior design thing that I learned because otherwise uh, people show up late or they leave early and, and it's yeah. like a beginning and an ending and then you can put it in your calendar, you know, and uh, it makes it easier for your planning and your personal life as well uh, to schedule around that. Um, but now the half of the class is a lecture and half of the class is implementation of the stuff right. that we have covered. Right. And then every Sunday, um, also again, like once a week, we have a, a behavior design session, which is um, what are your goals for the month? We set those at the beginning of the month. And then each week we, we break them up into what you want to achieve um, during the week. And then we make a behavior design in order to achieve that. And then yeah. we, the Sunday is the feedback session in order to double check if everything is on track. And if not, then we um, use that as inspiration to make a new behavior design. So if you keep forgetting to do the behavior of doing outreach, you have, you have decided you want 10 new clients. You came to the conclusion you want to do 50 outreaches a day, cold emails, sending to companies. Yeah. On Sunday, uh, we learned that you haven't done one. And the reason why wasn't because you're scared, but you just you kept forgetting. Now, now we know the anchor is a problem. And then it's like, okay, you, you wanted to send those at, at night, but your wife, your kids, you forgot. What if we move that to before you start working? And that's the first thing that you do. So, you know, a very he heavy emphasis on, on uh, implementation I, and application. I, I think I would call what you, I would call what you're doing coaching. Coaching, okay, yeah. When you're coaching in sports, you talked about it with the boxing things. When you're yes. coaching swimming, yeah, you've got to be there and you tell the people what to do. And then you watch them in, or you might show them in the pool what to do. Then you put the people in the pool and you watch them. And when they get out, you say, well, this is what you're doing right or wrong. Yeah, the, I see that with you know, that, that there's a difference between coaching and teaching. Yeah, the only, you can the do only, it without practice. You are 100% right. The only problem is um, if you are an MMA coach, that is that is uh, that has a good connotation because there are a lot of great MMA coaches. But if you hear the word business coach, you yeah. immediately think of like the same the same problem when uh, when it comes yeah. to people who do uh, what's it called? Uh, what Tony Robbins does? Uh, life 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 coaching? Life yeah, coaching? I know what you mean. Yeah. I believe it's life coach or something. Yeah. You you immediately think of some unemployed, never went to school idiot who doesn't know what he's yeah. talking. About. And that's when I hear business coach. So I think it, business coach it has the wrong connotation entirely. Yeah, I, mean, I think it, you're right. And, and I would never call myself a coach. But if we go back to before business, and I think it's what the last 20 years that business has really snaffled the term coach yeah. before coach was sport related. That's true. Yeah. That's Which true. is, you know, and I, I it's funny, it became popular about 20 years ago and, and Sunderland University started running 
coaching courses, how to be a coach, right? Uh, and I, I just said, it's shite. You're just teaching management here, but you've given it. But full marks, you know, they, they cottoned on to the coach thing. Oh, everybody's looking for coaches now, this and the other. I, I got a, a football association, UK football association coaching badge when I was 17. And that, that's how I'm qualified football coach, if you like. And I was saying 20 years ago, and I was saying to them, well, I've already got a coach. Oh, you've already got a coaching qualification. I said, yeah. I said, it's a... Somewhere at home, I've got a tracksuit with the badge on. Well, what do you mean? I says, I'm a qualified FA coach. And they went, oh, that's not what we're talking about. That, that, that's, that's not. And I said, well, hold on. N name a bigger association than the UK <laughs> Football Association. I, I am qualified to teach people how to play football. Why is, how is your business coaching? Ever? Oh, it's very different. And so I went along to a couple of their classes and sat in. And I said, oh, you've, you've just done the equivalent of teaching a 10-year-old how to kick a ball. Well, what do you yeah. mean? Well, you, you tell them how to hold the leg and you show them how the leg moves and you show them how the move and you show them how the alcohol moves. And then you say, you do that round thing there, kick it over there. And when they try to kick it, you say, no, but you've, you've missed the ball because you need this, your other foot stood near it. You've just done that with, it was a human resources recruitment-based thing. That's all you've done. You've yeah. told them what to do, and then it was interviewing. You've told them how to do an interview, told them to do an interview, and then you've critiqued it at the end. Where, where's the newfangled thing in that? It's been around forever. But I, think, I think this is... People uh, from uh, newfangled ideas, which aren't newfangled. I think <laughs> you can really go and do some teaching. I think this is a, this is a good place to, to wrap it up. Um, I, I have... I have thoroughly enjoyed this conversation um, yeah, i've enjoyed it too as well I, I think people will get a lot out of this this has been yeah. this has been super productive um I'm, I'm gonna um add some stuff in the description this is gonna be on youtube um a, a few other places as well but i'm gonna put some stuff in this description is there anything that um you want people that we can send people to uh you've written a few books as well uh, this uh, my website covers everything okay I, I still use it as a I, I, because it was associated with the books yeah. it's always been my sort of mouthpiece if you like there's a bit there's a section on it which i can't even remember what it's called two seconds while i open my own website um What's where i it, alancharlesworth.com all right there we go and, and you don't want to know why i had to buy alancharlesworth.com when I could have bought it for about $5 when I was selling domain names to everyone else. I have a section on my website called Musings and Rants. And basically it's this, it's me just going, uh, influencers, da, da, da. So, and, uh, so, so that's me. But yeah, that, everything's on there. Okay, perfect, perfect. Then I'll, uh, I'll be sure to include that and people can check it out, alanjellsworth.com. Yeah, just my name.com. Wonderful. All right. Thank you so much for your time. I have You're enjoyed most it welcome. way too much. I have thoroughly enjoyed it. Perfect. All right. Okay. We'll, we'll continue chatting on Twitter. Take care. Okay. And all the best to you. Cheers now. Bye-bye.